Welcome to another episode of Life's 3x5's podcast. Liz and Tim have created the ideal conversation formula for them. Everything begins with what's on a 3x5 index card. It can be anything and it can go anywhere in 30 minutes or so. If allowed, they can somehow magically become connected by a single word. And now, today's unscripted and unpredictable conversation between two longtime radio friends from a remote location with Liz Wilder and Tim Larson. Check, check, one, two, one, check, two. Check. That's what we always check, say, right? Check, check, check. one. That's what you always hear. Do when you think you're, you're on stage? Check, check, yes. check. No, check, 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 check. Okay. Oh See, oh, the God. man who knows, right here, Don K with is, us. This is going to be so weird today, I swear to God. Welcome to yeah. another episode of Life's 3x5s, Liz Wilder. Tim Larson. And Don Cronberg. Woohoo, Don yeah. K. Here's the backside. Don and Liz and I worked together at WROK and WZOK back in the day, back in the, in the day. 80s. He recently came in and saw all of our stuff at the Storyteller Studio and sat down for an episode at the Storyteller Studio podcast. Which you can also find online. Yes. And he said, anytime you folks want to come into my office, I have a bunch of stuff too. So we (laughs) took him up on it. And it's pretty cool because Don is also a now board member for the Illinois Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Actually, Rock and Roll Museum. Rock and Roll Museum. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mm kind of cool. So a a lot of the stuff you may or may not see at the museum. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, maybe We've got someday. our own museum right here. Uh, right, right. Darn maybe cool. maybe I'll open up the Palatine chapter. There you go. Down the road. And and you two, be careful what you wish for. Oh, right. I'm telling when you. When I said to come down and hang out with me. Uh, we're in trouble. Well, first of all, we're drinking wine. <laughs> we're drinking wine in the morning. So where the hell this sucker goes, it's going to be all your fault. <laughs> And, oh, Liz's gonna open up the photo books I... now. So, how about a cheer, by the way? Yeah, let's, let's do a toast. toast. Let's do a toast. Let's do a toast. Here's okay. the toast. Here's to suddenly knowing it's time to start something new and completely trusting the magic to unfold. <laughs> there you go. Cheers. So, know, tell right? me you have not seen that happen before. No, I love it, yeah, man. Yes. I love it. I knew I was in store for some really fun surprises today and i think you guys are too well here's the gist of it um when don got out of radio he decided to start a company 30 years ago called nightlight promotions and he's basically a concert promoter so he is the guy basically, that will i, think I really you am <laughs> yeah you're the guy you're the guy that's going to put the beach boys at the coronado theater for instance that, w- that, that was would, the was the guy who yeah. put the beach boys right is that in this and the guy who's putting buddy guy and his farewell tour at the coronado mm-hmm. and the, the list goes band. on and on and on yeah and on. so that gives you the gist of where Don sits today and why we are glomping on to all the cool stuff he's got in his office today. Don, weren't you kind of in the starting up? Pos- I was. You oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When we were working together. Yeah, right? I, I, I didn't want to interrupt Tim, but yeah, I actually started the company in 1990. That's kind of what I thought, right? And in the uh, if you look on that back wall behind you, that's show number one right there. Oh, Jerry my gosh, Seinfeld. Gary, yes. Jerry Seinfeld, April 1st of 1990. What a perfect day. No fooling. No, no fooling. fooling. Oh. Yeah, exactly. To launch Ha-ha. my career. And uh, I was still working at ZOK at the time. You were. And I think I worked there until just before I got married. My wife. Was like, who's an awesome mm, guy? I don't think being a radio DJ <laughs> is such a good idea for our relationship. And I'm like, she really didn't actually say that. She alluded to that. 
And I think I took it as my overture to uh, to move out of that because I think it was healthy. Yeah, Liz is shaking mm-hmm. her head. I am. Liz is going, yes, yeah, it definitely was healthy in yes. your case. Yeah. And uh, so I, you know, started doing this full time and here we are 30, almost 33 years later. So tell me, backing up just a little bit, how does a guy fresh in the industry get Jerry Seinfeld on the, the slate? How, how did... How do well, you get first, into first that? and foremost, Jerry wasn't the Jerry Seinfeld well, that of he course. became. Right. Yeah. So his TV show had actually just premiered on NBC. It was called The Seinfeld Chronicles it at was. that time. And it was not a hit show. Mm-mm. Oh. And uh, but Jerry was one of my favorite guys. So I, I hooked up with the Drury Lane Theater in Oak Brook Terrace, and my job was to book one show every month. And I could okay. book anybody I wanted. And I'm like, man, I took this as the opportunity. Jerry was going to be my very first show because that is so cool. Jerry wow. was my favorite comedian working at that time. Are you drawn to comedians? As oh a... yeah, totally, okay. totally, totally. I have such unbelievable respect for comedians. I mean, obviously, I have respect for all the musicians and talent I work with, but over the years, more so for the comedians yeah. because they have nobody but themselves when they go out on stage. Well, and they're a different egg to be able to even want to do that kind of yeah. lifestyle. I mean, it's one thing if you go, eh, I can stand over here and play the bass. You got to keep fresh. You can't rely on the same songs you've done keep for fresh, 10 years. You know, if you're not feeling great, you don't have a band member to be able to cover for you that night. You know, there's shows, you know, when I do rock shows, right. for instance, somebody's sick, the rest of the band kind of picks up the slack. Yeah. Comedy shows, when they fall on their face, there's nobody there. Fortunately, over the years, I've had so few actually fall on their face. Um, a few have definitely done it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, they, they just, it's so unbelievable for me when I look back at some of these performers. You know, and I've worked with all the legends, you know, Bob Newhart, yes, Don Rickles, Joan Rivers. Jerry Seinfeld, George Carlin. Wow. Carrot Top. You know, Carrot Top. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's amazing. You know what? Carrot Top is a legend now. You know, anybody listening right now laughing at me, if you can create yourself a career that is still going today strongly and you're now the longest running comedian in Las Vegas. Which says a lot. Yeah, but as we were talking about before, so everybody from Rockford listening right now, Mm -hmm. um, the biggest selling act, I don't know if he still holds the record for me, the biggest selling single act at the Coronado Theater in terms of tickets sold by one act in a defined period of time. We sold like 15,000 tickets oh at the Coronado for my buddy Carrot Top. So, over and, how many shows? Oh, um, over six or seven <laughs> sold out shows <laughs> oh my God. that we did with him over uh, a pretty short period of time, actually. That so, is so fun. Yeah, man. Wow. It's, uh, it's just kind of crazy to look back and go, 33 years, what the heck? So let me ask you this, when you talk about comedians bombing, I just want to get a feel for this. Is it bombing like they thought they sucked or is it bombing like that day they got the flu and they couldn't go on? Mm. What does bombing mean to you? Okay, bombing actually can mean both of those, but in a lot of cases, you know what? I'm going to be really nice to this act because I actually have a good relationship with him. So <laughs> I'm not going to mention his name, but this particular act who used to be a big act, A-lister, used to be on Monday Night Football. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, <laughs> he had a bad day. I think he was battling a flu bug like we talked yeah. about, and he overprescribed the medication. 
and he showed up for the show. I wasn't there. I was at another show, and I got a call from the person who was working for me, and they were like, hey, listen, he's not in any state. Oh, Literally, man. we had to pull him out of the limousine. Oh. He didn't want an opening act originally. Oh. Now he wanted an opening act. Oh, well, we didn't have one. So we let him go sleep in his dressing room for like 30 minutes beyond the start of the show. Oh, and he proceeded no. to have a god awful performance mm. and did you we have were, to refund we, tickets no so here here's the deal on that one we were losing money because of ticket sales and we actually had a fight to get money back from him because the show was so poor oh um and they, he did he, he was cool about it and we ended up having great shows after the fact and i never ever brought it up but that Good. was one of those moments where a lot of bad took place that day for the most part you know bad to me now is you know, a performer will walk off, and I'm like, so what'd you think? And he goes, what'd you think? And I'm like, I thought you killed it. He goes, I thought I sucked. Hmm. What do you mean by that? He goes, I, I just didn't hit it. I said, well, well, what didn't you hit? And they were like, remember that joke, you know, and, and they'll tell me the story because in most cases I've worked with the act before. I'm like, uh-huh. They're like, the timing on it wasn't good. I said, nah, you're wrong. The audience laughed. And so sometimes it's the perception of the performer because – I think sometimes they're so critical of themselves mm -hmm. that they need that reassuring person walking off stage. And, and a lot of times I'm that guy, Bob Newhart. I remember Bob Newhart walking off at the Genesee theater in Waukegan. I think it was the first show I did with him. He did a 60 minute show. It was fantastic. And he walked off and as he walked off to the curtains, he comes up to me and I'm like, that was fantastic. He goes, <clears throat> really? <laughs> And I'm like, no, no, really? <laughs> and he was like, I, 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 I was really nervous up there. I said, Mr. Newhart, I couldn't tell. And if I couldn't tell, yeah. nobody could tell. And I said, you absolutely hit it. And he goes, oh, well, okay. Then I hit it. And he walked off. And I'm like, oh my God, like the insecurity of some performers is quite amazing, especially when you think about it. These guys have been doing their job for so many years, mm -hmm. so long, so many shows. And yet, you know what? 80 years old, he's still insecure. So I deal with performers that are ultra confident, cocky, down to a lot of performers who you wouldn't believe are actually really nervous. And you know what I've figured out, and former radio yes, DJ, yes. you guys are talent. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to be nervous. It is. I was just going to say, yeah, if you're yeah, not yeah. nervous before a show, so. like before a, a radio show, before a concert show, before a show that you're presenting, it's scary. If you're overconfident and you're not nervous, that's when you have a crappy show. That's it. And you know, I, my mind. I was thinking when you were talking about the Bob Newhart thing, after doing it all these years, for us, they're delivering the content. It was funny. But for him, when he goes, oh God, that sucked, because the internal rhythm may have been off. The content is still out there. He delivers the jokes. But his rhythm was maybe off. And that's what I think a lot of people need. You know, sometimes, I mean, Liz and I yeah. walk away from a show and I don't necessarily tell her because I don't want to hurt her feelings. But I go, oh, my God, <laughs> Liz, you sucked. That, oh, thanks, honey. <laughs> that, no, not that you sucked. I said that blue dead donkeys. And I go, oh, my God. And yeah. when I get back to editing, I'm going, no, we had fun. Yeah. But there was something in the feeling in yeah. the rhythm it's the vibe you know it is and, and it is you know and, and, and here's the thing too like how many you know i've done a couple thousand shows and i've been at a lot of my shows i mean mm -hmm. tons and tons of shows but it's funny because i'll be standing off in the wings with the performer 
or across from the performer as they're waiting to walk on stage. And even though I know I'm not going out on stage and I really don't go out on stage, I mean, right. rare exception, right. I'm as nervous as they are. And yep. yet I have no skin in the game. I mean, <laughs> my part's already been done. I, you know, marketed the event, booked the building, hired all the services that are necessary. Tickets are but sold. It, yeah. yeah. You patted everybody down. Day, <laughs> we, are now at the, we are now at the point where my job, for the most part, is over. Yeah. I've done everything. But I feel like I'm nervous because I'm waiting for the performer to walk out. I'm like, man, is he going to hit it tonight? You know, is the microphone going to work? The monitor is going to work. Yeah. Um, you know, well, you know, everything that we set up, everything that we went through on sound check, is it all going to go as planned? And I, I feel like, you know, I get sweaty and it's just so weird because I have nothing to actually do with the performance. I know, but that's show. a good thing. But, you know, there's another thing with you standing behind the scenes. You may know something that not everybody else knows. And that person just had something happen to them. He's like, oh, my God, this is maybe going to throw them yeah, off. True. Yeah, and there are days, Maybe. you know, there are days where performers are having bad days and like, let's just, you know, I, I might have been in their dressing room before the show and I can tell they're off. Yeah. Like, they're kind of, they're in a bad mood. Somebody upset them during the day. That's right. You know, a wife at home pissed them off or something like that. And I'm like, man, I hope this doesn't, yeah, I hope this doesn't translate right to the stage. And, and in most cases, they're able to just shake it off. And, you know, when they go on stage, you know, that's the unique side of it, too, that I get to see performers off stage and performers mm -hmm. on stage, which can be radically different personalities. Steve mm -hmm. Martin is a great example. I was just going to ask, who has Steve been the most different Steve. on and off? Steve, Steve, Steve probably, because um, I've done that a lot of shows guy. with Steve. <sighs> I've done a lot of shows with him, but it's always very almost businesslike. Like, he'll come down the hallway with his posse. And a lot of times it's, they'll remind them, hey, that's Don. You know, you've worked with oh, Don right, before. Right. <laughs> you know, and well, you I don't know, blame yeah, him. You, you know do, what? Yeah, and I'm not. Right. A lot of people. I but, you know, most of he knows me by face and everything. But he'll walk up and I'm like, hey, Mr. Martin, it's good to see you. And he's like, hello, Don. It's nice to see you, too. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's how he is. And that's it. Like, I remember him quizzing me on, on a marketing plan once in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh as we were standing off in the wings ready for the show to start. And he was like, so uh, do you think... That interview that I did for you did the job. And I'm like, <laughs> it did. I said, yeah, actually, he was, he was actually that just straight. like we're talking right now. And, yeah, just like that. And I'm like, Steve, it sold like a ton of tickets. I'd actually never seen an interview have that much of a positive effect before. And he's like, good. That's what I was thinking, too. And then wow. the lights go down and he walks out on stage like, I'm a wild and crazy, crazy guy. guy. Yeah. And I'm like, Unbelievable. I looked at everybody. I'm like, oh, my God <laughs> almighty. So that taught me. And that was like 10 or 15 years ago, I think. And, uh, you know, ever since that, you know, my relationship's great. And I, you know, I get to work with Steve Martin and Martin Short. You know, Martin, <gasps> Martin Short is much like the personality you see on TV. Very animated. Hello, Don. He's and he gets right favorites. in my I face. Like He's great. But Steve is not that guy. But Steve also respects me because... I know my space with him. I don't invade his space. And when he needs something, he knows he can turn to me and like get him out of a room. Like he realized oh. there's a thousand people waiting in the alley at a show. He's like, Don, is there another door out of here? And I'm like, yeah, there is actually. <laughs> Would you like me to take you out that door? And I'll have, I'll call the car and tell him to come around the other side. And he goes, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's just these, uh, these relationships and these these moments that I get myself into, and it's just, uh, you know, I have to pinch myself all the time because 
It is. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, people always tell me, you have the coolest job. And 99% of the time, I'll say, no. What do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. And I'll quiz him. I'm an accountant. I'm a yeah. plumber. And I'm like, you have an exciting job. And he's like, I have an exciting job. I'm like, yeah, without you, man, the world doesn't flush right. That's like, right. You're my guy. And, and, and a lot of people think, you know, it's all <laughs> excitement all the time. And the reality is I stare at a computer screen all day long, spreadsheets. I come up with pre-settlements and settlements and I fight with so you're doing a lot of legal fight work with too. agents and contracts mm -hmm. and everything else. Venues. My, mm -hmm. But my payoff is the show. Yeah. It's the live performance. And if I'm there and my wife totally understands it and she appreciates it, that I really get off on going to my shows. I get off on that feeling that I created this wonderful moment for 1,000, 2,000, mm -hmm. 5,000, 10,000 people. And without all the work that we did, my office, me included, it wouldn't have happened. That's right. And, you know, that, that's that's what I get off on. Right. And, and I, you know, that is the cool part of my job. But when I look back, you know, you're looking around in my office right now, and I'm even looking around I my am. office and the walls, and each of these pictures have memories attached to them. Mm -hmm. And the moments, you know, like Don Rickles, you know, sitting, talking about the old days of Las Vegas with Frank Sinatra Sammy Davis, Dean Martin, and him telling the insider stories on how literally the doors would open when they would walk in. And, oh. You know, and, and you know, he was the nicest man. He was the cruelest man on stage. He was. <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. He was. Like, you know, the last show I did with him was in Joliet at the Rialto. I remember it fondly because he tore the audience apart. He knew my parents were in the house and oh many, many, many years before <laughs> my parents decades earlier were at one of his shows when I was a kid at the Mill Run Theater. Whoa. And my, he pulled my dad out of the audience and he ripped my father to shreds. <laughs> and I told Don that story backstage. You know, this is at least 10 years ago. And I told him the story. and I said, you know, it's funny. And my mom and dad are actually at the show tonight. He's like, that's great. He did not forget that. On stage, near the end of the show, he goes, are my promoter Don's parents in the audience? Can you please stand up? Oh. And he said, I guess I shredded you like 30 years ago. <laughs> and I don't remember what jab he put in. I was <laughs> off in the wings. And I just heard him say Don's parents. I'm like, uh -oh. oh, my God. Is he, is he talking about my mom and dad? Right. And he's going to do it again. And then he was relatively nice. And he said, he said something like, Along the lines of, I wish I had a tape of it. He said, I just want to let you know that it is such a pleasure to work with your son. Aww. And then he went on to a quick minute yeah. or so about me. And he said, I want to thank everybody tonight. But I also want to thank my promoter, Don Kronberg, for all the work that he's done. And what a great human being he is. And I was just standing there. I was in like complete awe and he walked off yeah. like right now I'm about to cry I think, because and you want to hug him because <laughs> you know here is one of the meanest men I forgot yeah. what his nickname is what's his nickname when he used to perform uh, the oh. man, he had a nickname anyways hmm. we'll, we'll think about it later yeah and because I go back to my Johnny Carson days yeah. when they used to call him that yeah yeah and so that was we'll his tag nickname and you know here he is and then he walks off stage and I'm like I was. I was emotional. So there are moments like this when I look around, you know, Ringo Starr, Love Chicago Ringo. Theater. Love Ringo. And I got there late. I had to go to a graduation party that afternoon, and I ran late for my own show. It was a big moment for me to be working with Ringo Starr. I know, mm -hmm. right? 
And when I got there, my guys who were working for me were like, hey, uh, everybody's downstairs having dinner. And they were like, why don't you come down and you know go to dinner? So I went downstairs. I grabbed dinner at the uh, buffet line. And uh, they held a seat for me at the table. So I sat right next to Ringo oh. and uh, the rest of the band, Todd Rundgren and his entire ask, band. Who else was there? And who was uh, it was the whole band. It, everybody on that poster right there, Greg Raleigh. Oh, yeah. Any, anyways. You know, we started talking, and they were all looking at me. They were, and I'm like, guys, I remember seeing you back at Poplar Creek Music Theater in like Ooh, the 1980s. And they were like, oh, yeah. And Ringo's like, oh, Poplar Creek, Poplar Creek. I remember Poplar Creek. <laughs> and it was a great intro because it, it just kind of broke the ice. We just had a really nice chat. So what I try to do, if possible, is to try to kind of create a warm, inviting atmosphere mm-hmm. instead of a just promoter. Uh, right. artist relationship which which does occur at times because there's no way around it but right. with Ringo we struck it so well that I didn't accomplish my goal that night and that was to get a picture oh. with Ringo but I couldn't do it I was having dinner I was in the trusted circle of friends yeah. it wasn't you the right time yeah. and he goes all right mate I gotta leave I gotta go get ready for the show and I was standing off in the wings and he he uh, knuckle punched me on the way to the stage and then afterwards on the way out, they're running to the vehicles, and he runs right by me in the dark. Well, it's dark. I mm-hmm. you know, fully expect that. I don't know. He must have seen a glimmer. He turned around, and he came back right into my face, and was like, mate, I just want to thank you for a great show tonight. Cheers to another one. And he ran out, and I went, I didn't get my picture, but I got knuckle-punched by Ringo yeah. Starr, yeah. and yeah. I put him on at the Chicago Theater. Yeah. You know, I did a Beatle. So that, yeah. was, my, that was my only Beatle that I've been able to work with. Obviously, there's only one other one that's right. alive these days, and I would certainly love to work with Mr. McCartney. Yep. If you're listening, Paul, you know where to yes. find Sir? me. Which yes. I think Paul does. Sir? I think there is a Paul in England that listens on our analytics. So, you know, it's a possibility. <laughs> like him, Maybe it's a whole nother Paul, yeah. but hey, let's just live yeah. that fantasy. You know, I'm looking over here, too. I see a poster of REO Speedwagon. Wonderful. And then inside this wonderful book that you have, another picture signed by them a little older like we all yeah, are right right yes, but ario from here from illinois arena show number one 93 maybe 94 i'm really bad with years rockford metro center wow. oh, first sold out show survivor popular at the time oh. as well mm-hmm. opened the show up for me mm-hmm. i think we talked about it we're not going to talk about it right now but i you know yeah. have a relationship with one of the guys from survivor yep, it's wonderful and um but little you know little did i know that our relationship would continue for the next 30 years and it's, it's funny because i haven't seen him since covid mm. um, and i hope this year at some point by the end of the year that i get to work with him again but kevin and i have a relationship where uh, our last names are relatively similar. Cronin. Cronin. He Cronberg. calls me Cronberg. So he calls me anytime he knows him at his show. He goes, hey, is my cousin here? <laughs> so I am his long lost cousin. I love it. And, uh, you know, it's just great when you get to know the real person yeah. and not just the musician on stage. And Kevin right. is just such a wonderful, warm human being. He's a great father. And uh, not he, only a great musician. And he's been fantastic to the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum mm-hmm. down in Juliet that's mm-hmm. about to open. He has been unbelievable yeah. as a mm-hmm. performer and as a supporter. And he's he gets up there, and it's not like you get up, you sing a song, and you go backstage. 
he works the crowd because he's just a good guy. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. You know, he's got a lot of money, as a lot of them do. But at the end of the day, he realizes his point in life now mm-hmm. and what, you know, really what he should be doing, what other people should be doing. And he really does care about organizations. Yeah. And people, and he's just a really nice human being. Yeah, some of those people take on the category of pay it forward. Other ones take on the category of preserving what was yes. happening. Mm-hmm. Yes. And either way, I've, uh, hell, I'm good with both of them. By the and, way, this, this wine is hitting the spot right now. Is so. it really? Yeah, if I end up getting <laughs> hammered, it's your fault. Uh, Got some yeah, water for you, you know, here, too, and, baby. And, and again, you know, that's like part of this right now, if you look around. and Well, I have to tell you, I am going through his yeah. photo album here. Not really a photo album, but it is. It's filled It would be with my book of 8 by 10 promotional pictures, pictures that artists and agencies used to send yeah. to promoters because we didn't have digital Yep. No. Yep. No. Yep. It couldn't send us a PDF or a file. Right. So instead, these would be the things they would send us a stack of them and we would send them to newspapers mm-hmm. and we would use them for setting up posters and flyers mm-hmm. like yeah, there's some, you know, I mean, yeah. some big stars right there, you know, stars Keith that got Urban. bigger. Yeah, Keith Urban. How about Keith Urban, they right? I was part him. of his Olivia first. Olivia Newton-John. Oh, Love my. her. What a sweet lady she was. The first was. time I saw oh. Olivia Newton-John was at the Poplar Creek Music Theater. Yeah. It was the most sparkling, well-put-together, very choreographed show. It was not a person walking up, singing, and leaving. It was this production and the next one that I saw at Poplar Creek that was also the same category was Reba McIntyre. She puts on a whole big stage thing. Wow. Totally. Yeah. Airplane. She used to, I remember at the Metro Center, she flew in for her performance into the arena in an airplane on stage. Reba did? Yeah, it was, an, it was an actual airplane prop with Reba in it that oh, descended oh, onto the, the arena floor or onto the stage. Was yeah. that when she was with Brooks and Dunn? No, I think it was. I think it was just her. Just her, because Linda Davis was her for was with her for just a little bit too, and they did that duet, and then she toured with Brooks and Dunn. We had front row tickets to Brooks and Dunn and Reba McIntyre, and I don't think my ears have stopped ringing. <laughs> and it was Boy. a country concert. Was that a long time ago? It was a very long time. Yeah, ago. that's why. Because back in the day, we didn't have the speakers that we have nowadays. Yeah. So oh. back in the day, we used to stack speakers on the corners of the stage because we didn't have the ability to fly the entire system over your head. So if you sat front row, especially if you sat anywhere off center, if you sat near the sides. This was was in the round. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you were probably getting her monitors then from the stage. I bet. Or... Her speakers were pointed so low that they were just pummeling uh, you during the but show. But what you a know, great show. speakers, those were when you're on stage, when we would introduce bands and yeah. things too, we'd, st- at least I would, stay on stage and watch. And that's where I hid, was right behind the speakers. Yes. Yeah, I can't she do could, that anymore. Yeah, I know. Can't Bummer. do that. Especially at the arena level now, the yeah. stages are completely bare. Uh, right? All the equipment, including the monitor systems, are off the stage. So there wow. is, with the exception of like the major music festivals where they do have what we call wings. And you stand off in the wings, but uh, yeah. yeah. So, what do you guys want to talk about? Well, man? We, like, well I want to open up. I want to, you know, like, well, I, okay, you I know, I, I love you. sharing my stories. I have a question for you because Tim and I, on a podcast previous, we got a question, a three by five question. How did that go? If you could do something once, if you, if you could, could play something once, just once, what would it be? What would it be, Don? Oh. It's the guitar. That it's, was my uh, answer. So tell it's me the guitar. about the one that's I hanging fucked here. Up. I, I totally fucked up by not learning how to play the guitar when I got into this business because the opportunities 
that I have blown over the years. I will tell you. I will share a couple stories with you. Well, how, so I first started, of all, how many how many guitars do you have around here? Because I'm oh, uh, there's not a lot six? here. They're they're scattered throughout. I got a few at home. Oh, you have a banjo. Um, I got a really cool one right Gibson. there. If you can grab this your mic, Sammy I want here. you to. So that's my favorite guitar that I have right there. So Liz is going to open up the guitar case oh, yeah. carefully. Turn it around. It's got a lock on it. Yeah. Turn it around. Turn it around. There you go. So you don't drop it. So, you know, these are, again, for me, unfortunately, the guitars and everything you see on the wall are just all mementos mm -hmm. because I never learned how to play an instrument. And God forbid, if you want to hear me sing, you don't <laughs> want to hear me sing. <laughs> and maybe you do if we're drinking enough. So this is my favorite guitar that I have right here. Liz is going to open it up and maybe Tim can shoot a shot of this as we open it. Um, I had to dig this one out of my... Uh, Underneath my basement stairs because I didn't I don't want this one at the office. But this this one means a lot to me. Oh my God, King. That's Lucille. So that's uh that's uh no. that's one of the replicas made by his company. Um, and that's a high level replica, not just one of the cheap ones. Are you kidding me? So when I started working with BB back in I don't remember what year now, ninety nine or two thousand, um, I went, you know what, there's one thing that I need. as And, and I didn't realize that I was going to work with him as much as I did, and that will lead into our conversation here. But I arranged through the help of his guys, through the help of the factory, to get my hands on a replica. And BB told me, just bring it to the next show that we do. And I think I brought this one to Braden Auditorium at Illinois State University in 2001. 11 16 2001 and I have pictures of him signing the guitar. I don't have a picture of him and I that night with the guitar, but that's one of my prized personal possessions. Do you want to hold it? No, no, no. I, no. It's, it it's good. I, I, I love looking at it. I, I hope you can share this with everybody, oh, at least a picture fabulous. later on. And, and the case is so cool. It and is. It rarely ever comes out of the case. I think for a short period of time, I put it up on a wall, and I went, you know what, if something ever happened that's the one guitar that i don't want yeah. that one and then there's another one in the office we'll talk about okay we'll we'll have to walk up there and talk about this guitar because it's called that's the story guitar oh really yeah 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 yeah, I think yeah. you got and a story with everything you'll know why when we talk about it because it's this cheap acoustic guitar sitting on my wall it cost me a hundred bucks i think i picked it up on the cross wisconsin the day i i think it was one of my first Willie Nelson shows, and I decided, you know, you don't know if you're going to work with an artist again, just like this one with B.B. King. Mm -hmm. So you take the opportunity when you get it. And In case uh, they're approachable, is that the question Well, mark? not only approachable, but in the event you never work with them again. Yeah, well, So that's true. take the opportunity. So that day I went, hey, well, can I get Will, I think it was Willie, to sign a guitar if I furnish one. So I went down to a local music shop. I bought this cheap-ass $100 guitar, <laughs> and I kicked myself time and time again now because that guitar ended up traveling with me on the road. I would oh. put it in my car. I decided, well, Willie only took up a little tiny spot on the guitar. Maybe as, maybe as I work with other people in the business, I can get them to sign You it. did oh. And if you look at that guitar and who it's signed by, it's amazing. Unfortunately, mm. it's also a testament to uh, Father Time because so many of the performers on the guitar have now died mm -hmm. and they continue to pass away. Like, I'm afraid now to, to bring the guitar with me 
and have an artist, another legend, sign it because they're going to look at the names going, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't want to sign Wait this. a minute. Wait a minute. This is, this is like a death, death. sentence yeah. right yeah. here. If it's, I sign the guitar, it's like Final Destination. It's the, the Don, guitar is going to make me bite the dust. Yeah, so. it's the yeah. Don curse. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. If so, I, so, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Has, there been, has there been anybody that you wanted to sign the guitar? They look at who else is on it and they go, nope. No. Okay, good. No, I think... Uh, I, I don't remember the last one that I had. I think the last one that signed the guitar was Jackson Brown, and he thought it was really cool oh, yeah, that I had all these signatures. And I told him this story, too. And, you know, I think, you know, first of all, we're running out of legends. Yes, you know, we are. So yes. I've had everybody sign guitars. Buddy Guy, you know, B.B. King, I have a massive collection of stuff signed by him. Um, what would you it, guess the time frame is from the fi- the first signature to the, the deck? Murray? Oh, God. Um I mean, you're talking 20 years? At least years? 20 years. Oh, yeah, at least 20 wow. years. That's maybe, impressive maybe on your years. side. Yeah. Yeah, wow. the fact that you could trust me to carry this $100 guitar <laughs> around with me on the road. I can't remember what I did yesterday. And, you know, here I am hauling this baby around. So that's one of my prized possessions that I share because there's so many wonderful memories and stories associated with it. Glenn Campbell's on that guitar, and he oh. signed it. He signed it on his wow. final show. On his farewell tour when he had um, Alzheimer's or yes. uh, dementia. Yeah, I have a uh, signature of Glenn yeah. Campbell also for and it's my messy. brother <clears throat> who was a paraplegic. And yeah, yeah. No. yeah so the yeah. final really show, sweet. the final night, the Rialto Square Theater in Joliet, we did a two-night stand, completely sold out. The two most emotional shows that I've ever wow. been a part of mm-hmm. in my entire career. And I went up <clears throat> and I said, "Mr. Campbell, I forgot to get you to sign this," and you know, it's just sad because he really didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he signed it. We got a picture. We got I got a picture of him playing the guitar, and the strings were purposely loosened because it stretches out the neck of the guitar. So oh. he's playing it so off key, and me and my buddy are up in the room. He's singing a song. I don't remember what song he was singing, but uh, you know that night he signed it. So that oh. guitar, Kenny Rogers is on it, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard. Oh. Oh. Um, I was trying to see who else is on. Is it I, Chris? I'm, I'm forgetting right now. Uh, Chris Christopherson is yeah, on it. Uh, and the list goes on and wow. on and on. So I always John like to call Price? it. It's John the hun- It's the hundred dollar guitar that, in my world, it's the million dollar one hundred dollar guitar. Wow. There you go. And uh, you know that's why I get things signed now. Part of me being a pack rat, which we kind of talked about as you guys were setting up in here. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But one of my biggest regrets, again, is the early days and not getting things signed and and not taking the opportunity because I I, I had the opportunity early on to work with legends that I missed those opportunities. Most of the time it was because I was hanging out with the performer. I'm a young guy. I started at 27 years old. I'll be... 60 we shouldn't talk about that but we're all can you believe i'm gonna be 60 no I still, but i still feel like i'm in my 20s See, isn't it funny you know so that. do i you know courtesy of what i do i still feel young and i still feel vital same and, thing here and you know what and and god bless you know god bless father you know mother nature father time whatever but um anyway so i spend too much time talking with these performers and not getting them to sign stuff for me mm-hmm. now i make it a point to on any successful show we do any sold out show i get the performer to sign a poster so that when i'm old and i have dementia or alzheimer's somebody can prop the poster up in front of me and That's hopefully right. you'll it'll take me back and it'll take me back to that day when i work with a performer and 
And again, it's like so funny when I look at some of these things, it brings me right back 20 years ago. Like, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I want to take me back to the surfboard. What's the story uh, with the you surfboard? Know, that's just a cool memory right there. I'm like, so that was the, so I got the Beach Boys Beach to Boys, sign yeah. that. That's not from that long ago. That's probably about four or five years ago. Okay. When the Beach Boys started asking us to provide onstage props for their oh. shows and they wanted surfboards. Well, surfboards are a pain in the ass to procure in the Midwest because <laughs> we don't surf we don't on surf, Lake I Michigan. Don't. But I didn't and think that'd be right. your responsibility. Because everything's my responsibility. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. By the way, a promoter's job is A to Z. We do everything and we are responsible for everything. Mm. Oh my. I'm dealing with a pyro permit for next week right now. That's my responsibility. Right, right. So anyways, we couldn't find a a surfboard in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So my uh, my venue friend called me and said, hey, listen, I know a guy who's a woodworker. He can create one that looks like it. So he created like four of these oh. giant pieces of wood, and they're beautiful, aren't they? they I mean, it's really a nice looking thing. Mm -hmm. uh, don't dare to try to put this on water because you're in a lot of freaking trouble. Yeah. But uh, so great. he had these created, and I got all of them signed That's so cool. by the guys after the show, and I gave one to my friend, told him to give one to the woodworker. Who did the work for us i i forget i think i gave one to an organization to auction off but this one sat in his office for years because i always drive to lacrosse and the thing's so goddamn you big i couldn't fit car. it into any of my vehicles <laughs> so finally one day i'm like hey hey mike you still got my fake surfboard right i'm coming up i'm bringing my wife's suv and come hell or high water that sucker is either going to be tied to the top or sticking out the back of the window and here it is I so love that's it. so not only is there a story to go along with the show but there's a story of even how i had to get it back here yeah i tell you that we, as tim and i have talked about that before the beach boys one of my very first interviews ever on television and I didn't know who Al Jardine was. You know, we're young. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I just knew of the names. I didn't know the individual people. And right. I, are you Beach or are you Boy? Yeah, who are you? Where yeah. are the Beach Boys? Yeah. yeah. Where is that guy I'm supposed sure to interview? Enough, there he is. He was right behind me, going, uh, "That's me." I'm like, I did that uh, the other night with a comedian. Uh, we hadn't worked together before. He, they walk into the room, and I was waiting for his tour manager, who we've been conversing with. And I introduced myself. I'm like, "Hey, Raphael." My name's Don, and he goes, I'm "Not actually, Raphael. I'm Drew, your headliner tonight." I'm like, <laughs> "Oh," and I'm like, "You know, but that's all right. You know what? It gave me a great chance to rebound." I'm like, "Oh yeah. shit, I yeah. stuck my foot in my mouth on this one." So, yeah. Tastes uh, like leather. Let me put the other yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Nike has actually <laughs> flavored their souls yeah, for was, people to that, put that them in their mouth all the time. Do it too. So <laughs> oh, yeah, fun. so that's the story of the. Uh, of the surfboard. surfboard. I love that. So can I point to something and you tell a story? Yeah. Go for it. Tell me about Tony Bennett oh, man. over on the side wall. <sighs> love it. Yeah. You know, uh, again, there are moments in life, and that was the first show I did with Tony, and that was about 15 years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. and, and ironically, it was in Joliet as well. So I ended up doing a bunch of shows with him after the fact. So my last show was in 2019, um, that was his last uh, Chicago area performance that he did. It was also at the Rialto. And uh, to spend time with Tony, that night in particular sticks out because I remember he came in. You know, I was super excited to meet him, too. And he did the, the world's fastest sound check. So what I learned about Tony Bennett was that his sound check he liked to do one at every single show. It lasted no more than two minutes. He walked really? on stage and said, check, 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 check. No. He literally did that, and he goes, all right, 
I'm good, kids. No. And he walked off stage, and I'm like, oh, my God. He, he came all the way from the hotel just to do that. I remember that day. I'm like, Mr. Bennett, I don't think you've ever played here before, and this theater is as <laughs> old as you are, and it's built by the same guys who built the Chicago Theater. And he goes, I love the Chicago Theater, Don. And I said, would you mind coming with me to the lobby right now so I can show you this? And he goes, absolutely. So I walked him out. And if you've ever been at the Rialto, have you it's been at the Rialto? Beautiful. The lobby is mo the, oh, one of the most amazing oh in the entire country. Yes. So I walked him out there, and he looked up at the ceiling and all the wonderful chandeliers and the mm. marble columns and the marble floor that still blow me away. And I still, by the way, do the same thing with as many performers Good as for I can. you. That's awesome. I get them to come out. Yes. so they can appreciate the place that they're playing. Do you yeah. do the same with the Coronado in Rockford? I do as much as possible. A little bit different, good. little not as big, but absolutely. Because they appreciate I it. I did that with, uh, I actually did that with Bruce Johnson from the Beach Boys the oh. last time I had him there. Wow. And I brought him out, same deal, he was blown away by it. Um, anyways, Tony walked out, and I still remember it to this day, and he turns to me and he goes, Don, they don't make places like this anymore. <laughs> and, you know, that's it. I mean, just a little comment All like that, but... Yeah. You know, in his voice and <laughs> that, you know, such distinguished voice. And then um, that night, you know, I, I remember shows that are so monumental like that because at the end of the show, and he did this right up until the end, the last song of the night, he would come back and he would tell people, I want to do this one acoustic. Oh. And he would put the microphone down and he would sing a cappella, no PA, you know, 1,800 people with my last show. And you could hear him all the way up to the oh, last row of fabulous. seats. And no his way. voice at 92, three years old was still so unbelievably strong in key. And he walked off stage, him and his wife and I talked for a few minutes. And then the limo pulled up and he goes, well, I got to go. And I'm like, Mr. Bennett, Thank as you. usual. What a pleasure, and I hope to see you down the road. And no, obviously that was wow, the last show that, that I did. that's fabulous. But, um, you know, there are moments like this where, you know, I, I love sharing this because that is the cool part of my job. I get to work with legends. I get to work with people who have history, who go back and used to play the clubs and used to play Las mm -hmm. Vegas. And, you know, they came up the old-fashioned way, you know, as opposed to today, everybody breaks on the Internet. Right. You know, right. most of the time they don't play the clubs. I appreciate it when an artist, mm -hmm. you know, when I when I can sit down with an artist and tell me about yourself, mm -hmm. and they'll be like, well, you know, we've been around for about five years. We've been playing all the clubs, hopping across America. Uh, this guy came up to us at one of the shows and introduced himself, and then next thing you know, they're on the radio. At least there, there's a backbone to the story, and... Mm -hmm. I don't like the stories about, oh, yeah, you know, I posted a clip to YouTube and the next thing you know, I'm popular. And I'm not Justin out there Timberlake. completely. I'm not out there completely yeah. dissing artists that that's just the way the careers work nowadays. But it's just not the same. But it's don't also you, coming from an old man. Don't you feel there's no meat to it, to their career? It's just it is. It, it's just it's, today's world, though, Tim. And yeah. it's just like we're going to have to, you know, you just have to embrace it. The old days are done. They're never coming back. And this is just the way life rolls. And mm -hmm. but I, I really appreciate the fact that I get to work with people still that came up. Ario Speedwagon yeah. used yeah. to play proms in high schools. Like I, I talk with Kevin about this all the time. He goes, dude, I probably played your high school. We played every homecoming or prom in the Illinois area. And you run into people who are a little bit older than me. Uh -huh. I and was they at the cusp where they yep. didn't. Yep. But just a few years before me, they're like, oh, yeah, we had REO or 
we had sticks play our homecoming. I'm yeah. Like, no Pure way. Prairie League. Yeah. We had Pure Prairie League at my college. You know. Yeah. Crazy. And, you know, and bands. And I got. I'm looking up here on your wall. Yeah. Get the lead out in Peoria Civic Center. Peoria Civic Center was the first place I watched a concert in front of the stage. All the other ones, I've always been off side stage or background, whatever. Amazing. Yeah. I got a story that uh, ties in with the Coronado. Uh, you remember? I don't. I don't know if you go back this far. Do you remember where the box office is now? It used to be Jackson Piano. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Yes. So above there, which is now all reception halls and stuff like that, used to be apartments up there. Oh, yep. yeah. And their yeah, dressing yeah. rooms were yep. sort of down below the stage. Correct. And it was sort of like having the clubhouse at Wrigley Field. It was not attractive back then. Oh, it's horrible. What yeah. are you talking about? It's yeah. Bad. You're being really kind. I yes. mean, I mean yeah. should we resurrect the, uh, <laughs> the Crosby, Stills, and Nash story? Yeah, yes. you could. You yeah. might have so, to. So as they bought and they expanded over to Jackson Piano, they transferred all those apartments, Murphy beds, glass doorknobs the whole nine yards into dressing rooms correct we use those dressing rooms today well one of those apartments was my wife's grandmother's oh my yes so back in the day when coronado had interesting acts come in there they had movies that they would play on saturday mornings we used to go they said, anybody that's in the apartments, you guys get free tickets to anything. So they would walk wow. down the stairs and go in whatever it is that they were doing. Oh my God. Who was the first comedian to use those dressing rooms when they were refurbished? Oh, my. Bill Cosby. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And was I, that yeah, your show? I did, I did not know. No. I, I actually ended up doing all his future shows okay. at the Coronado, but I did not produce the grand opening event i produced gotcha. like the second or third show okay that played the new coronado but mm-hmm. that night i was not responsible for putting mr cosby in I, the I love room. your stories because they go beyond the ticket stub they <laughs> yeah. really do and it doesn't matter who we look at in this whole office tell me about the uh why do you have a, a steve martin banjo well, yes. I mean, we talked about it. I mean, come on, man. Steve Martin and the banjo are synonymous with one another. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when I started working with Steve, again, that's a cheap guitar on the, or banjo on the wall. Um, and I probably should have invested in, in a much greater version of it. Mm-hmm. But I went, what would be cool to put on my wall to signify that I worked with the legendary Steve Martin? I went, it's got to be mm-hmm. a banjo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since then, I've added to my collection of stuff and I've got all his movie posters signed. Love uh, that. Matter of fact, I'm uh, hoping to complete my trilogy. The Three Amigos poster is sitting at my house and it's signed by Stephen Martin. And now I, I didn't get to work with Chevy Chase yet, but I think I'm going to be working with him this year. That and is. I'm going to get Chevy to sign the poster. So I will have completed yeah, the Three, three amigos. amigos trilogy well, poster. Che- Chevy's on the move because he came to the Coronado he did. He did. for the whole, uh, was it National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Correct. And that's what we'll be doing as yeah. well. Oh, oh they cool. played yeah, the what? film. We'll yeah. be doing a screening of the movie followed by, he, he doesn't actually perform anymore, but... Uh, you know, again, what would be a great memory for me? And, you know, having Steve sign a banjo. Um, that picture right next to it is one of my favorite pictures in my collection. The Chicago Theater? Yeah. yeah. MSG and Nightlight Presents Steve yeah, Martin but it's and just Martin the, Short. It's just the cool shots, and we had all the color removed. It's beautiful. Nice. Except we'll for the marquee. We'll take a picture of that, and we'll have that on our Except website. Except for the marquee. So that's that's my uh, ab- absolutely favorite picture in my office. Did you know Steve has two books out now? I do. And have you seen them? 
You probably uh, have do. them, don't I you? Do. I do. Yeah, I do. Do you know the behind-the-scenes story on how it all happened? I don't. Oh, okay. There was this lady. I don't know who she is, but she knew Steve Martin. She saw him. They were out touring with Martin Short, and you know they were at some kind of a meet and eat, whatever kind of greeting thing, and said, uh, "You know, do you know Harry Bliss?" And Steve goes, uh, "No, I don't." <laughs> says you people ought to know each other he goes i don't know who he is okay fine so then she's back in new york she runs into harry bliss who's the cartoonist at the new yorker says do you know steve martin he goes no i don't know steve martin he says you people ought to really know each other he goes okay fine all right whatever well when steve was circling back around with something in new york she made it a point to get those two people in the oh, same wow. room yes so what they did is they decided to collaborate on a book. Steve continues to go on tour. Mm -hmm. He will jot something down on a piece of paper or a napkin, take a picture of it, mm -hmm. text it to Harry. Harry will get the concept. He'll make a fancier cartoon of it. Mm -hmm. He'll take a picture. He'll shoot it back to Steve wherever he is going, hey, is this what you're talking about? And he goes, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. In the book it goes. Mm. And I don't know how many's in there. I've got the first book. I don't know how many's in there, but that's how they wrote the book. Back and forth oh my God. on a napkin and on a phone. Very and similar it, to what Tim and I are doing <laughs> yes. with our book. Yeah. Minus the, the napkins. Yeah, minus the napkins. We're just going back and forth, which you ought to be writing a book too with all of this yeah, stuff, Yeah, you know what? Everybody says that too. You and should. I always kind of diss it and I'm like, and, and, and you know, a lot of it is, Sometimes I don't really think my job is that important. You know, it's um, maybe not to you, maybe not yeah. to some of the other ones, but to those that have no idea, to have no option yeah. or ability to go and see a show, to actually know the behind the scenes stuff. You know, that's a pretty big yeah. deal. No, no, no. I'm as I near the end of my career right now. I'm starting to realize, you know, what I've done over the last thirty-three years in the book of work and. Not everybody is as fortunate as I've been to get the opportunities that I've had over the years. And again, just mm -hmm. this is the stuff in my office, the stuff on the floor, the stuff in the book you're looking at are just little tidbits of all the wonderful memories. Like mm -hmm. you could bring up an act and I'll probably be like, I don't have anything. Cheap trick. Case. Cheap trick. I mean, I mean let's that's go. a local let's Rockford. Let's go with that one. Um, so. I go way, way, way back to the early days of my career in the early early to mid-90s, and that was my goal. When I got right. into business, I was working, right. you know, again, I was with working ZOK. at ZOK, Correct. and I had actually worked with the radio station at their shows yes. with another promoter. Yes. You know, and then when I got into this business, I'm like, oh my God, the coolest thing in the world for me, <laughs> the absolute coolest thing in the world would be to do a cheap trick show. So I became a pain in the ass to their manager at the time. <laughs> Squeaky wheel. But he he appreciated it. You know what? He appreciated me. You know, I could show him right away what I had done. You know, I came out surging. You know, I, I, I'm so lucky because my first show was in Rockford. So, by the way, when you go to sell a band and you tell them your first show was Howie Mandel at the Rockford Metro Center, my very first publicly promoted show, and I basically sold out the arena on a Sunday <gasps> Sunday night in Rockford, Illinois, and I wow. followed it up with my first full-blown arena show with REO and Survivor. That's a pretty good calling card. Yes. yes. And you get on um, you get on the map real quick yeah. in certain areas, and that put me on the map. So when I was able to tell their manager, I'm like, I really want to do them, but I want to do them at the Coronado. 
and you know they had already played. This is years removed from their last Metro Center show, and they were kind of in a place where I think theaters were their preferred places to play. And I'm like, we're going to do two nights. Oh, beautiful. You guys decide what you want to do musically. Mm-hmm. And they bought it. And they bought it, and that was like 90, 94, 96, I think. This was this was not after Live at the Budokan, was it? Oh, this was after Live at the Budokan. It was. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. After, yeah. This was after The Flame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the albums that came out. So those were my first two Cheap Trick shows, mm-hmm. and they were magical to me. Like, again, you know, I have a picture somewhere with me, Robin and Rick. I had my long hair. And Rick he did. He had a little mullet. We'll, we'll show you a picture of that, yeah, too. Sure, yeah, you better share that, right? Uh, there's probably quite a few. If I'm you look sure. through those books, you'll yep, see quite yep. a few mullet pictures. Yeah, we, we all there. had different hairstyles and, uh, then. You know, I'm very, you know, not that I see the guys often, not that I work with the guys often, but, you know, when I do... I, you know, remind them that we go way, way back. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know, Rick and I certainly have a long history. Obviously, I've got a great poster mm-hmm. up on the wall. Mm-hmm. That guitar signed next to him is signed by the band. That's sweet. As well. But, you know, and, and, and again, we have personal relationships. We can talk, you know, now that I'm an older guy, I, I feel like the playing field is leveled to the point when you get together with older musicians. Mm-hmm. You just kind of get along. It's mm-hmm. like no more of the, you know, you were my band in high school. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I grew up listening to you. And that was how I reacted back in the early days. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm working <laughs> with the band that I, you know, listened to on yep. my lunch hour. Yep. Or, you know, camped out in line to get tickets for. And now here I am. I'm the promoter of the show. So it's right. just a different feeling now. You know, my wife, uh, after uh, Live at Budokan, she brought the album in to her mother and her father and she said, look, hometown boys making it good. Oh, my God, this is huge. And her mom goes, I don't think so. She goes, yeah, it is. And she starts rattling off Tom Peterson, Rick Nielsen, the whole bunch. She goes, yeah, but that blonde guy, she goes, you mean Robin Zander? And her mom says, yeah, he used to bag my groceries at Jewel, and he always put the bread on the bottom. So poor Cheap Trick can never get above the bread on the bottom with her. That is <laughs> that funny? funny? Yeah, and I'll bet that's the same. Go ahead, Liz. Because they tell me about Cabo Wabo and Sammy I mean, Hager. Have you been down I mean, the Cabo? You know, my husband a, just got back from rocker that, yeah. growing up in the 80s. Love it. You know, the Van Halen, mm-hmm. Sammy Hagar days. You know, Sammy's always been my favorite act, so... That, yep. well, that poster's from a, another show. But so I've got a Red Rocker guitar signed by Sammy. That was signed at my first show in the 90s in Moline at the Mark of the Quad Cities. Sammy found out that I was a super fan that night. We just killed it. I think we sold out the arena. I had the guitar ready for him to sign. And uh, he gave me a bottle. I think I got a bottle of tequila oh. somewhere on one of these shelves. He gave me one of his bottles of tequila oh, that night see. that we also drank. Well, you got um, the cognac over here. What's that? That's Buddy Guy. So that's a bottle of unfinished cognac from Buddy Guy from one of my shows. <laughs> wow. He handed wow. it to me when he got off stage, and I went, maybe I'll take a sip, and I think I did. 
And then the rest I put on the shelf. There's a There's open the bottle. There's a tequila. There's the, that's the empty bottle of tequila yeah, right from there. that show, Liz. Wow. I love it. And a Johnny Walker blue label sign. And that's from Ron White. Ron, Ron used to throw me a bottle of, uh, an empty bottle of Johnny Walker blue. <laughs> really? Ron White drinks? Does he really? After every wow. show, if I saw him the next day, he'd get off the bus. I'd throw him a full one. He'd throw me the empty. Oh, no funny. way. Yeah, that's, love it. Repeat, repeat. Wow. And I tell you what, and Jeff Dunham's another friend, another another awesome yeah, guy. Love yeah. him. Jeff, yeah. you know, Jeff, I did his first coming out of comedy clubs. I was his test market. Jolie, really? Actually. Okay. The Rialto Square Theater. They wanted to test his ability to sell at a theater level versus a comedy club. Oh. And I was really confident on it that yeah. he would do okay. We went on sale and I picked up the phone and I called Los Angeles to the agent. Uh-huh. And I said, hey, we got a problem. And he goes, oh, shit. Not selling. I'm like, no, we got no tickets left. Ah, <laughs> we need two shows. So we had to negotiate a second show on the phone that day, and we added a second show. So is that usually hard to negotiate from behind the scenes when people want to do a second show or need to do a second show? It's not as easy as you think. It would. Really, really, yeah, really. It's not as easy. Is it because of the different dates that are already set in stone? Sometimes because of different dates, or it's just the deal itself, like what we have to pay an artist to do mm. a second oh, show I versus see. what we think we should pay to take a risk on adding a second mm. show. Yeah. So it's a little bit harder, but in the comedy world nowadays, it's just so common. Mm-hmm. Um, so common for us to stack shows. If we think there's a chance of a second show, that's why when you see a show go on sale, so this is insider information. Ooh, right here now. you go. Folks. That's what we were hoping. Listen, that's why when you, when you see a show at seven o'clock on a Friday or Saturday, you're like seven o'clock. That's really early. That's with us hoping we're going to add a 930 show. Yeah. yeah. When we don't, we don't tell you why we had a seven o'clock show. We're just dumping you out on the streets by nine o'clock in the evening. And you're like, great. Friday night. I got nothing to do. It's nine o'clock at night. Thanks for making the show so early. And making yeah, this right? Race here, so. All right. Yeah, right. So let me get a behind the scenes on this one. Do you know who Brad Upton is? A comedian. He's about our age. He is killing it. And that's what I asked my son for Christmas. So we are going to Brad Upton at, I think, Zany's, I think, in oh, okay. Rosemont okay. Uh, in the beginning of March. Okay. Again, 7 o'clock show, 7.30 <laughs> show, something like that. All of a sudden, I get the notice that they've added another show. But they've added the other show. This is no shit. This tells you how old we are. They added the other show at 4 in the afternoon. Oh, backwards. Oh, we do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So really? it's right before yeah. the buffet. Why? Why? Uh, because certain... <laughs> Artist and demographics, you know, the audience that follows that artist. Um, we frequently do five o'clock second shows. The tickets fly out. Yes. Like it's Holy smokes, where, really? Like, I don't even like to admit it anymore. We should actually put the first five o'clock show on sale and then add the eight o'clock show instead of the way we do it. But mm-hmm. we actually, I think we're doing it because we don't want to seem old. Yeah. We don't want to be like five o'clock. What are they thinking? Well, that's, that would be like, um, there's it's no way for me. because your neighbors, buddy, like to roll up the shutters by 8 o'clock at night. So. Oh, that's pretty true. Yeah, yeah. my neighbors do. Yeah, Do, that's do you know when you, speaking of comedians, uh, uh, you know, we were talking so fast here back and forth on different things. I was at the Howie Mandel show. At my Howie Mandel show. Yes. Were you really? Show. I was. Were, I you was. At, were you at the post-show appearance that we made no. at the pizza place? No. Why? I, wait, 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 wait. No. Pizza what? place? What pizza place? Well, he, uh, this may tie into it because he had sort of a question and answer at the end of the concert. Huh. And this guy stands up 
And he said, um, I remember, uh, you know, a waitress that I had uh, served you at blah, blah, blah restaurant. May have been in a different city 10 years ago. Who knows? And um, he goes, oh, oh. And, of course, you know, how he's trying to work his way through it. And he goes, oh, as I remember, it was pretty good food. She says, yeah, but you didn't tip them at all. Oh, no. <laughs> and Howie being so quick. I remember that one. Howie says, yes, I did. The meal was on the house, and I tipped accordingly. Zero times zero. Oh, bum. <laughs> yeah, on the spot yeah. he thought of that. But that was a great show. Ron sure? okay. okay, so, okay, so I, I'm going to tell you my what? memory of that one really quick. If we got time, oh, yeah, I got stories. All the stories. time in the world for you. Go ahead. So I got stories. So the, the first show, that's the first Nightlight publicly promoted show. Cool. With my favorite comedian as well at the time. I couldn't have been more excited. And it sold... I think it was either 4,000 or 4,500 people. So we had the, sh the stage slightly accelerated based on the fact that there's no way we would do more than four or 4,500. We did the full mm -hmm. capacity of wow. our setup. Nice. And the story that I remember is near the end of the show, he was hungry and wanted to order a pizza. Okay. And somebody said, I've got a phone, Howie. Why don't you call a pizza place? So this was all taking place over the microphone and the speaker system. And somebody in the front row threw the microphone. People started yelling out pizza places. So somebody gave him the, the number for Capri. Oh, sure. Restaurant, which yeah. to this day is still one of my favorite joints. Yeah. Howie called the pizza place and an old man answered the phone. The guy that's always the been guy there. who owned. Well, the guy yeah. who owned the pizza place, you know, did it. So uh, long story short, how, the guy said, well. How many pizzas would you like to order? And Howie's like, how many pizzas will it take to feed 4,000 people? <laughs> oh. Crowd erupted. The phone slammed down on the other end. The owner of the pizza place hung up the phone and the crowd went, boo. <laughs> and Howie's like, oh, how rude. You know what? Wouldn't it be really funny, though, if we all showed up after the show to pick up our pizza? <gasps> oh, no. This is right at the end of the show. Oh, no. So... <laughs> Howie says goodnight, gets off the stage, comes off the stage. I'm waiting for him with his uh, tour manager. Oh, my. And are you serious? Do you really want to go? He goes, yeah, you got your limo here, right? <laughs> okay. I'm like, all right, let me go get him. And we got in the car. We probably took about 15 minutes. And uh, as we're pulling up to Capri on State Street, oh my. the place was mobbed thousand people out front we couldn't even see so we got out of the car we made our way to the front doors the front doors were locked we didn't know you had to go around the back side yeah of, the of course yeah. yeah and uh, we make our way back in the limo we drive around the block we're greeted by another thousand people people are chanting you know it's back oh back before the days of camera phones and right and right. really uh -huh. people in general taking pictures right. yeah by the yeah. way we could talk about that yeah um so no you know, we don't have footage of this and i wish we did we make our way through the crowd. People are patting us on the back, and I'm following Howie. Howie walks right up to the counter, <laughs> and there's the old guy and a younger guy next to him, who I believe was his son, oh and uh, walks right up to the counter and says, Hi, I'm Howie Mandel, and I'm here to pick up my pizza. <laughs> just like that. And the young guy just, I, I mean, he lost it. Yeah, he was of course. just going absolutely <laughs> nuts. The old guy just had this lost look <laughs> yeah. on his face like what the fuck just happened yeah. to me tonight no clue who and, you are uh, i'm still shocked to this day it never made the newspaper oh, we wow. didn't have the police show up i mean it was a sunday night probably 10 o'clock at night 
in downtown Rockford. Yeah, it was yeah. as quiet Capri. as quiet can yep. be. And that went down. And wow. I haven't seen Howie in years, but the last time I saw him, we were kind of getting caught up again. I said, remember the first show we did? And, he, you know, he's done a million shows. Yeah, of here. course. Refresh me. And I said, Rockford, Illinois, where we ordered pizza from the stage. And we have to pick I said, oh, dude, I remember that one. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, you know, I, I think somewhere in my closet, like I have boxes and boxes of stuff that you don't see. Yeah, right. There is a poster, I believe. I know I have the ticket stub or the, the actual ticket from the show, but these are memories. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's why I try to collect as much as I can because it can bring me back immediately to stories from, you know, and that was 92. So oh, that was wow. 31 years ago. That's excellent. That took place. And yet I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. And Do you do a lot of outdoor venues? I don't. I, I my business is pretty much centered on indoor theaters and arenas. Is there a reason? And Don, for is that? it only here in you know, Illinois? I, I think it's because of negligence on my part because I the handful of open outdoor spaces I failed to make um, that relationship with. And I'm still to this day, still kicking myself, still trying to come up with an outdoor venue, still keep trying to talk one into uh, about mm-hmm. Rockford, Illinois. But possibly getting one there. Okay. We've had conversations. Um, so, I would like to have my own outdoor amphitheater. So let, let me ask you a couple of different oh. things. One, Alpine Valley is still bringing in the places. Live Nation. Yep. Controlled. Yep. Correct. Um, what is the new Rockford uh, Hard Rock Casino Hotel and that auditorium? Uh, 1,600 people I hear. Mm-hmm. How does that affect somebody like you? Is that a really good thing? And no, you've got it's not make... a good thing. No? no, no it's no, competitive. No. I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I hate casinos. Okay. There's no good for me that comes out of a casino. For a city, it's a wonderful thing. Okay. So I have two sides to the story, but a casino opening with a performance room is a bad thing. I know that they've gone out for on you. record. Yeah, for, for you. me it's yes. Yes. for me it's a really bad thing. Um, I'm waiting to see how that will work for the Coronado. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned deeply, even though they've been assured that things will continue to be business mm-hmm. as usual. I don't actually believe that that's the case. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know when that, when is that scheduled to open? Don't know. Is, have they I been think they just broke ground, ground, ground uh, this year. I think yeah. when they're oh, doing it. All right. Yeah. So that probably another couple years yeah. before yeah. it opens. Well, and, and it's going to come in phases. It's going to do the casino and then one tower of the hotel and then the other tower of the hotel right. and then the uh, venue. So it's going okay. to come in phases. I feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still, yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. I feel better hearing that. Well, you know, and I'll be at, I'll probably be at retirement stage by then anyway, so it won't yeah. concern me as much. You know what I heard from from my standpoint, the Rockford Ice Hogs really um, grabbed onto a lot of the calendars, the most ideal calendar spots for the Metro Center for concerts, because we used to bring in a lot of big acts, you know, Kenny Rogers and Barry Manilow and on and on and on. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if the dates don't work and you can't fit into the Coronado, then okay, you've got another venue if you're in Milwaukee, Chicago, Madison, wherever, to be able to slip into that date. Mm-hmm. That's my logic, not knowing your business. Well, okay. Eh, a little bit different feeling here. Okay. So <laughs> the, the problem is to move, and unless the act is big enough to oversell the Coronado okay. or to get into two shows in one night, 
financially, it doesn't make sense to move the show to the BMO. Mm, okay. Uh, the BMO, because we have to build a stage, we actually have to set up a stage. Oh. We have to bring in all the sound and lighting, whereas yeah. the Coronado already has has it. lighting, yeah. has a stage. So it's it's much more cost effective for us to do theaters than arenas in this case. But if the act is capable of doing three thousand or more people then the argument would be that the BMO does make sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the the BMO does not have, for lack of a better term, stock standard in-house lighting. You have to bring in everything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. We've got to fly it from the grid. So we got to have riggers up on top. It, it's just a lot more expensive. Unless, literally, I my game plan is unless the show can do 3,000 or more, don't play the BMO. Yeah. And the yeah, problem with the yeah. BMO, I think we're, you know, starting to get off the track a little bit. That's okay cuz this relates to my industry. The reason that you don't see as many shows in Rockford as you once did in the uh, 80s, 90s and early 2000s is because major players like Live Nation developed, mm-hmm. major festivals like mm-hmm. Country Thunder oh. and others, mm-hmm. Ravinia became a major player. And all of a sudden, all these deals that were put into place have huge radius clauses on them, and they preclude a Rockford, Illinois play. And that's why Rockford suffers. I'm probably one of the biggest fighters and champions for um, the city of Rockford itself because I believe in it um, and you know believe that the audience deserves more shows. And we try to bring them as many as we mm-hmm, can. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they just get locked out on radius clause issues and it sucks it just sucks are you able to negotiate the radius clause or is that a standard no we're able to negotiate it depending upon how much money we pay an artist Ah, gotcha um you know and how much protection we feel we need on a show our standard radius clause fluctuates anywhere from 60 to 90 miles generally 90 miles we want a 90 mile protective window but i'm going to tell you right now if it's a hot act and i want to play the coronado and I know that the act's going to play Rosemont. Well, that's less than less 60 than miles 60, away. Yeah. I yeah. wave my radius clause. Gotcha. And I ask that the Rosemont waves their radius clause. Nice. I feel that there's enough customers out there in the state of Illinois. We have a lot of people that live here. Mm-hmm. Rockford is not a small city. Mm-hmm. I feel that we get screwed on shows too much and that we should be getting more shows, and it's all because of these stupid radius clauses we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I got a few agents who are going to listen to this broadcast <laughs> now. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but don't you get? Don't we get the Wisconsin also? Are we still dealing with the Milwaukee no, and the no, Madison no, radius no. as well? No, Madison falls okay. in our radius clause. It does. Okay. So sometimes we battle Madison, yeah. or Madison battles us. Gotcha. So it's you know, in a, in a lot of cases, an artist only has so many dates. Well, that was the do. other thing, too. You know, mm-hmm. how many dates are you going to be around? Right. And, yeah. you got a 30-day tour, yeah. and you're trying to get all of these different areas covered, so you kind of allocate certain dates. Yeah. And if it doesn't work in the radius clause, it doesn't work. Go are ahead. you only Illinois, Don? No. Well, no, 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 no. Okay. No. <laughs> Where I am are the we? best friend of many, many Midwest venues. So we okay. go all over Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, once in a while into Ohio. Bemidji, Minnesota, which is up on the Canadian border. <laughs> and I, I literally, I looked at Charlie Barron's that night, who I was with, and he yeah. goes, what the fuck are we doing in Bemidji? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude, we had a sold-out house with 3,000 people on a snow globe cold night. Right. We're coming back to Bemidji. Right. So and there's yeah. customers everywhere. And then yeah. his second question is, why am I opening for Gordon Lightfoot? Well, it's because <laughs> you're next to Canada. <laughs> 
<laughs> is this, that a good one, man. <laughs> is this, I know. I'm opening for Howie yeah, Mandel next go. week. Yeah. Um, is there somebody that is sort of on your wish list that you would either you've worked with and you either wish they went back on tour or you've never gotten them and you go, man, I'd love to work with that person. Well, come on. Okay. And, well, I mean, within hopefully, range. hopefully, obviously, you have quite a few listeners to this we program. Do. We do. And hopefully, they're all the way over in the UK. Yes. So, Mick and Keith, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you are bucket list number one to work with the Rolling Stones. And obviously, the Rockford, Illinois connection. Big time. You just have mm-hmm. to remember that, Mick and Keith. And guess what? Don is sitting here in the wings waiting to take care of every single detail to make that happen. <laughs> Very so good. Tim and Liz will help him out in any way possible. We could announce the show. There you go. There you go. Hey, <laughs> let me ask you this. When you say the promoter takes care of everything, yeah. is blamed for everything, it's every single detail, do you have to set up the uh, the, the media interviews and stuff like that? Has, has there been one that really sticks out that's like, you know, because we did that media interview, TV, radio, whatever, Man, did the tickets skyrocket. Well, I mean, let's go back to the Steve Martin story. Seriously? Let's go back to, yeah. Was I he mean, a good interview? Steve is very like particular, him, does not do many interviews. And when we got him to do that interview, my biggest worry was that it wouldn't move the needle. Yeah. And the story ran in the big daily newspaper in <laughs> Madison. And literally, we could, back then, because that was still before social media was as big as it is now. Yes. We could literally attribute it to that interview. Like artists that have done the, the Chicago Tribune for me back in the day, same deal. Yeah. Back in the day. When newspaper was a big did, deal. When, and that yes. story ran on a Friday or a Sunday newspaper, the newspaper was so important. You know, today we do Zoom interviews over, you know, television interviews. Mm-hmm. No one interview today moves the needle that much but what we hope for is that a combination of that interview along with the other marketing materials that we're utilizing for the show kind of catches on with the you know our potential customer and they step up to the plate and buy tickets so who was the interview what what media outlet was the interview with with steve martin that made the difference uh, whatever the major daily newspaper was. It was a newspaper. In the market, yeah. No Remember way. when we had the go section in the Rockford Register That's Star? Right. That was a big deal. All the interviews were in that yeah, one, too. Yeah, and That's that right. used to be a big deal yeah. for me. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it pisses me off that we don't even solicit our... And that's not the only newspaper, by the way, so I'm not just throwing darts at the Register Star newspaper, but... I am throwing darts <laughs> because they don't have any writers anymore. It's yeah. just we've gotten to the point now where... These newspapers, and not only Rockford, there's plenty of other small Midwestern cities where they don't have feature writers, they don't have feature editors, and they don't have the manpower to be able to do these. But Mm -hmm. the newspaper, to me, for a lot of artists, still means a lot to me because they're shelf life. And um, (laughs) it just bums me out that we can't make interviews happen. We can do them on radio all day long. Um, but they just don't have the same impact that the old newspaper used to have. Got a question for you, and this yeah. is kind of off a different Fire subject away, now. Liz. Okay, so with all of these wonderful artists that you've had the chance to work with, what is the strangest request one of them has had for you? Okay, or many of them have had for you. And as he gives me this funny look and rolls his eyes. Okay. And keep, keep in mind, keep I'm podcast around a long time. Uh, yeah, but also keep in podcast. There is no rules, so yeah, you know, can right? say. So if it was it's crazy, really crazy, weird, go for it. That's fine. Oh, 
Come or even it's not. I mean, you know, Coke. Every, as, every as in cocaine. Every yeah. drug, every yes. drug known to man. Again, sex, drugs, rock and roll way back when. Yeah. Prostitutes. I think we might have supplied a couple. Did you really? Those over okay. the years. Yeah. Boy, I have to be careful here because this could get me in trouble. But well, I was just thinking, drugs, you know, I'm looking, it, I'm looking at your alcohol, the bottles. Yeah. Did you, you, you obviously oh, yeah, yeah, had yeah. some we there. We supply, I mean, booze. Is, was you there know. food, any food that you could or could yeah. not have? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to get challenged by some acts that we worked with. Um, you know, I remember being with Mr. Cosby at a show <laughs> somewhere in Indiana <laughs> No, no, I know you're laughing for the wrong reason. But he was motivated. He was motivated by food, and he he seemed to challenge me a lot on the food front. But as I got to know him, I was basically prepared for him. Okay. Most of the time. So give me an idea. Food from like no yeah, shrimp. Yeah, yeah. Like we were in like uh, oysters Fort, or what? You know, Fort like- Wayne or Evansville. I can't remember one of those cities. Maybe Muncie, Indiana. And he was like. I'm like, Mr. Cosby, what do you have a taste for tonight? And he was like, Ethiopian or African. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I went. You're killing me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. we're in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. And we can't come up with something just a little bit freaking easier. No. Than this. And guess what? <laughs> what? Found an Ethiopian restaurant. Get out of here. Serious? And Did we not. called. And the owner was a wonderful Ethiopian lady. And uh, Mr. Cosby talked to her on speakerphone on my cell phone, and he ordered some food, and she brought the food down for him and hand-delivered it. And I remember because we took pictures with her and her children that she brought down to the show. And he was like, do you want some of this? And I'm like, I had to take a pass on it tonight. (laughs) And um, Because it's moving. How is it? And he goes, wonderful. So it made me feel better. But he used to have me chasing... I remember one time we were at a show and he had a taste for a chili dog. The place was in Ohio. He knew we were 60 miles away from this place because he was a smart guy. Oh, gosh. And he had my limo driver during a snowstorm. We had two shows that day. Drive 60 miles. And the guy calls me like 30 miles into the trip. He's like, hey, Mr. Kronberg, uh, roads are atrocious. And I said, turn the fuck around right now and you got a hot dog place in town yeah you got a place in town that sells chili yeah go pick up a hot dog and go pick up a chili separately bring it back and i dumped the chili on his hot dog i wrapped it wrap up in the back of the wrapper i'm like hey uh how's the chili dog tonight (laughs) wonderful and i'm like (laughs) so from that point on i'm like no more of this crazy shit artists that try to track down like hey you know i was here like 20 years ago I remember eating at this place and it, it drives me crazy because I'm like, I'm trying to figure out if that place is still open. In a lot of cases, the restaurant might still be open. Yeah. And sometimes they hit it right on the head and they're like, oh my God, that's the place. They're still here. I'm like, yeah. And they, they had the best fried Uncle chicken. Nick's. I'm like, is yeah. it possible? Yeah. And I'm like, sure, I'm going to call the owner right now and we'll get them like their dish that they had 30 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of get off on that. You know, most of the time it's annoying tour managers and production managers that we deal with that need something today, something broke. And, you know, everything seems to fall on our lap when it comes to the responsibility side. And we can't just say no. The only way I can say no and the only way I'm, I'm accustomed to saying no is that I literally do my homework or, you know, people who work for me do their mm-hmm. homework, the mm-hmm. venue, and we just draw a blank. Then I will go into the office and say, we exhausted every main. If you find it somewhere, 
let us know and I'll send my runner out to pick mm. it up for you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I'm going through your book here, yeah. which I think this is a different book that Liz had. Can I just flip through here and ask yeah. if you have a story? And if you yeah, don't- by, the, by the way, right there, I'm pretty sure that picture, I, I'm pretty sure that Howie Mandel photo sign was from like 92 or 93. Man, he looks young. Yeah, he had hair like I did. Wow. Back then he had some curly stuff <laughs> yeah. going on. And if you don't have a story that comes to mind, that's yeah. okay. But how about Kenny Loggins? Uh, nice guy. Like um, uh, professional, um, very, very pleasant to work with, um, very detail-oriented. I, oh. remember, I remember sitting in a sound check with him one night and – he would get off stage and stand near the back of the main floor with me and watch the band play. And then he would tell them, hey, you're missing something. So instead of being actually on the stage, he would actually do it from Whoa. the audience perspective wow. and what they would hear that night. So I found that really interesting. Um, I don't have any other stories besides that on Kenny. Okay. The next one is always been, I guess, what I've heard is Elvis's favorite female artist, and that's Anne Murray. That's correct. And what a wonderful lady she was. Um, she's still alive, by the way, living, uh-huh. retired in Canada. And the story about Anne Murray was probably one of the most popular uh, format-wise, middle of the road. What yes. is that the right term Emma, for the format? Or yeah. uh, adult contemporary? Adult, yeah. AC. She was the epitome of the adult contemporary artist. Like, she was vanilla. She yes. was. That's what yes. she was. She was. But because she was vanilla... So many people loved her. Her shows were classy. Yes. Yeah. They were wonderful. She sounded wonderful. She had this great stage presence. I ended up doing quite a few shows with her in her later years. And then one day her agent called and said, um, this is it. She's retiring. Oh, her wow. mom was battling health issues in Canada. And she was determined to be with her mom. For as long as it took to make Mm. sure her mom was taken care of personally by her. Mm -hmm. And she retired still at really a high level in her career. Like we all were in shock. But it was the coolest thing because I'd like to see more artists actually do that. This is the one business, unlike any other job in the world, where people will literally play until the day they die. Oh, yeah. There yep. is no retirement. Again, we already talked about Tony Bennett. ZZ Top. B.B. King was at an awful place yes. his final years. I was part of those oh. shows. Mm. It was embarrassing. It was sad. Oh. You know, I would spend nights on his bus after the show. Fortunately, still coherent, but not coherent enough to be doing a quality show. And we were charging customers a pretty dollar oh. because we had to pay him yeah. quite a bit of money. And I never had the balls to say to him, why? And it was it's not an crazy. obvious thing like Glenn Campbell. It was just a, a constant deterioration yeah. of age. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and really, you know, the reason for B.B. King specifically being on the road, and he told me, he said, my guys, his band, his crew, were counting on me for their livings yeah. and those paychecks. Yeah. And they were. Yeah. You know, I had relationships with all the guys in the yeah. band and the crew. It was hard for me to watch at the end. Fortunately, my last show with him was was a good show. Mm-hmm. And um, I let it rain. You know no, who that they'll is? They'll just hang up. No, that's Mick and Keith calling. <laughs> that's that's Mick who and they Keith are. are calling me. <laughs> that's there it. They're like, hey, Don, we heard you talking, and, and we're about to <laughs> sign you to do our tour. So... So was that Mick and Keith on the phone? 
<laughs> That's your direct line. Well, you, you know, said. I know. Somebody's you know. got to get Somebody's got to get him the right number. And <laughs> I, you know, I am available. I work for cheap. So, and I know you guys like money. And I can make you a lot of money that you don't really need. But anyways, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's bucket list number one for me. And, you know, I'm at that point where it's not going to happen. You know, when we were talking about know. when we were talking about Anne Marie in this book that I'm flipping through here and you said that she was vanilla. I remember the the male version of what I call vanilla. And I wondered if you ever uh, worked with Dan Fogelberg. Yeah, yeah. You did. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Well, I, I did one. I think that was the only one I did. South Bend, Indiana. It's weird how you can just remember this. Did he ever play Run for the Roses? I love that song. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. And, you know, everybody had told me these stories on what he's not, he wasn't a nice guy. He was very hard to deal with. Like, whatever. I didn't see any of that. He walked off stage. He saw me standing there. I think, you know, he was like, Who are you? And he walked up and I said, I'm Don Cronberg. I'm your promoter Uh tonight. Uh And it was like, Thank you. What a great day today. What a great audience. What a great venue. So what a pleasure. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, Somebody else I want to ask you about is the monkeys. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I got to do the reunion reunion tour back in the late 90s. And I do remember playing Rockford at the Metro Center. Mickey Dolan. And I had dinner that night with the three guys. So Mike Nesmith wasn't with them at that point. Right. Davey wasn't feeling particularly well that day. And here, I'll give you the funny story. So my wife's going to be pissed at me. Again. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, um, now nah, she's heard me tell the story a million times, so it's not a big deal. So I had dinner. The guys are great. I brought some friends backstage after the show to meet the band, including my wife, Aww. who's a huge Davey Jones yes, fan, as you probably yes, were, as many yes, other ladies yes. were. Yeah. And I totally get it. Peter and Mickey came out to sign autographs, but... Davey, Davey didn't. didn't come out. Oh, no. Davey, Davey was having stomach issues. Oh, okay. All right. Totally understand. Okay. All right. I had a show the next day in the Quad Cities, so we were staying at the same hotel that night in Rockford. Actually, with the clock tower. I had business to wrap up, so my wife and her friend, who were also staying that night, with they were, they were staying with us. I said, I'll meet you guys back at the hotel. So I was only about 10 or so minutes behind them. And I was actually following the tour bus out mm. as we left. So I, as we're pulling up, again, there's probably a distance of a few hundred yards. And I'm like, okay, I see the bus pulling up. I'm like, who are those two people running alongside of the bus? <laughs> Uh-oh. And I, I didn't know who it was at that time. Oh, God. And we have a picture of it. It was my <gasps> wife and one of her best friends. <laughs> And as Davy gets off the bus, oh, the girls are waiting there for him, going, oh, "We God. need our picture with you." And he's got this shit-eating grin. Oh, pardon my. the pun, because oh, he was yeah, 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 yeah. And his picture is like he's just not a happy camper. Oh, and my God. you know, kind of words. It's funny because words oh, sort God. of circulated back. Like that was your wife. I'm like, yeah, that's my wife. I'm like, usually I'm the embarrassing one that does embarrassing things. But that is my hilarious. wife has that picture, and it's a great picture. I wish I could share it with you, but, oh, but the story is ten times yeah, better than yeah, the picture. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Is and wow. she's gonna just kill you later? Let me tell you. Hey, the next picture that I flipped open here was you and Kenny Rogers, and. Yeah, yeah, look at me, man. Yeah, look well, you at, got your mullet going on. Look at that on. beautiful mullet right there. That's pretty. That was at the Metro Center. I know the walls. It's weird. When I look at the picture, I actually know where that was. Oh, yeah, look at that. Oh. Yeah, look at that. Woo! 
And I'll tell you, one of the things that blew me away is when I went into the, the Photographer's Hall of Fame in St. Louis. Are you familiar with that? No. Yeah. No, not at all. And guess who's in the Hall of Fame? Don. Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> really? Kenny Rogers. And he has this book that is probably 9 by 12 and maybe 2 inches thick. And he has taken these amazing portraits. And I think the title of the book is something like People We All Know. So it's going to be the Diana Ross and all these yes. that he does these gorgeous portraits. I remember the book now. Wow. Yeah, I remember Why? the book. I never talked to him about that. Yeah. Um, Kenny was a special man, like above and beyond the norm, because back in the 90s when I was getting going, um, I knew I wanted to work with Kenny and I tracked down his tour promoter or his, mm-hmm. I, I forgot what he was. His name was CK Spurlock and he kind of guided all of his tours and he looked like Kenny. That was the amazing oh. thing. Oh my. Oh, it wow. could have actually passed for Kenny Rogers. His twin. Almost or... any day of the week. Oh wow. But CK gave me a chance at my first show and Kenny was a big deal. So the if you got a date on the Christmas tour, you played arenas. Okay. Oh. And um, like Rockford, Moline, uh, Fort Wayne, um, mm-hmm. trying to think of some of the other cities that we did. But every year, I uh, my relationship grew and expanded. And I always had dates with Kenny. And no Christmas was complete without doing Kenny Rogers Christmas shows because oh, he had the most so... amazing connection to the audience, and the wow. song selection, yeah. the yeah. involvement. And let's face it, Kenny Rogers was a multimedia star. Yeah, Kenny was different than the performers that I worked with because he's a movie star, yep. TV star. He's yep. the gambler. There's yep. an album cover right behind right, me. Right, exactly. On yeah. the wall. And that was signed at the last show I did with him. Oh, yeah. fun. I think this is like 1981, 82, somewhere in that area, that when Kenny Rogers came to the Metro Center, of course, he's in the round, so you get yep. the most seating possible. And it was a huge thing. I mean, it was gigantic. In fact, I think I still have the promo that Charlie Quinn cut. Oh, wow. For our involvement. Oh. Okay. Friday at 6 a.m., WROK proudly presents a golden retrospective of the greatest songs of Kenny Rogers. I don't need you, I don't need friendship. Beginning with the first edition and ending with his latest effort, I Don't, I don't Need, need You. Every hour, all weekend long, the best loved music of Kenny Rogers. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucy. Then on Monday at 10 a.m., join Ron Jordan as he spotlights Kenny's newest album, Share Your Love. But nobody sings a love song quite like you do. Best of all, if you didn't have a chance to pick up tickets to the Kenny Rogers Concerts Tuesday at the Metro Center, listen to WROK's weekend special for your chance to pick up pairs of tickets to the 5.30 show. That's right. WROK has Kenny Rogers tickets to give to you this weekend and Monday as we bring the Kenny Rogers Golden Weekend to you. And don't forget, listen to WROK for more special events planned on Kenny Rogers Concert Day, Tuesday in the summer of WROK. So this is the funny part about Rockford, Illinois, downtown, but the Metro Center is brand new. You know, Dionne Warwick was our first act, by the way. Kenny was one of the first. The brand new ones, too. He was. 
So what did they do at the radio station? They sent us downtown in the van with the Marty unit to report on traffic <laughs> in Rockford. <laughs> no, there's regular, we're going to a concert at the Metro Center traffic. But you think about it, the Metro Center was new. Yeah. This was a sold-out concert. Yeah. Yeah. More people than they had yeah. going down in Rockford than ever before for anything else True. on True. a regular basis. And so here we are. It was Kelly Ryan and Johnny Marks and I doing tr parking reports. Parking is still available at in such and such. In a small town. In yeah. a small town. Exactly. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. It would oh not God. happen. Oh, it would not hilarious. happen now. Hey, there is a, that's not a, a group, a musical group. Who is that? This is a cool one. So this, this is a picture signed to me. So these are the stars of the Walking Dead TV series, which I was a big fan oh. of. This picture is actually signed by the star of the show, Andrew Lincoln. I never met him, never met the other two members in this picture either. But the story goes is that I used to work, well, I still do, with Ian Anderson from oh, Jethro, Jethro Tull. Tull. Yeah. And one night, it was the last night on his U.S. tour, and he was going back home the next day. And we were sitting talking after the show. We had just a wonderful relationship. And he was like, Don. Are you a fan of the horror genre? Oh dear. I'm actually going verbatim here. And I'm like, like mm. like movies and TV shows? He goes, exactly. Oh. I'm like, oh, I love horror. He goes, you I do? thought so. Oh, wow. I thought so. Again, you know, the fact that a performer brings that up and goes, I thought so. And I'm like, Yeah. That tells me a lot about the persona that I'm presenting to them. Anyways, we start talking. He goes, Well, my son in law, the actor. Oh, and he says Who's it just like that. To my daughter, yeah, just like this. I'm, I'm literally telling you the stories that happen. Oh, fun. He goes, he has his next TV project premiering tomorrow night on TV. And I'm like, oh. The Walking Dead? And he goes, Yes. Are you familiar with it? I'm like, Yeah, I'm super excited about it. I've been watching the previews. And, and it was just so funny because we got off on this tangent and, and he was poking fun. You know, he was basically ripping his son in law on how poor of a life they were leading because he was an actor. So we start talking about it a little more and he goes, my only hope is that it lasts like two seasons. So he, or no, I forgot how many seasons, three seasons. So he gets into syndication because otherwise he's just be back to being a starving actor. Oh again. no. And so it's now this picture, <laughs> this picture, which I'm holding is not framed and needs to be framed is a great memory because his son-in-law hit the jackpot. Yeah. And that show is going to be a huge syndicated Syndicated, show. big time. And his son-in-law has probably already made millions off the TV show. Wow. But probably stands to make tens of millions of dollars in syndication. So Jethro, fast, there you go. Fast forward <laughs> a couple years, and I go to see uh, Jethro Tall at uh, Ravinia. He asked me to come backstage before the show, so I bring uh -huh. a buddy with me. And we walk in and, you know, we just, we, we had this great relationship and um, I go to him, hey, remember the story we were talking about last time I saw you? Dude, he hit the jackpot and he goes, he certainly did. <laughs> certainly did. It was almost <laughs> he like he was did. like acknowledging it, but uh, also kind of backing away from it at the time. And uh, yeah, yeah, these are, again, that's why, you know, these cool things. And he's, by the way, he sent me that. I'm like, what is he giving me in an envelope? Uh-oh. Like, is it a return check? Is yeah. it a signed contract? And I open it up, and I read the inscription, and it was to me. And he told me the oh, story wow. that they were at Thanksgiving dinner. And he said, well, I have a promoter in the States who 
uh, is a, already a big fan of yours. And, and he remembered. Wow, that, that he remembered is so cool. To get a picture signed at his house in the UK, and you know, those are just moments that you look back on where this picture it means a lot to me yeah and you you, know, you made an impact on him that's right i did yeah. i did and you know we just had this transparent relationship and you know some of these pictures that i'm flipping through here reminds me of some stories and i hope you have one with montgomery gentry but let me tell you what no, I, I do <laughs> we were at the winnebago county fair i did not know who montgomery gentry was but one of my employees was a huge country fan and these guys were up and coming, obviously, with the Winnebago County Fair. And they came over to the beer tent, either before or after the show. I can't remember which. And, of course, she's all excited. She recognizes them right away. And Mindy is turning around to us going, give me a Sharpie, give me a Sharpie, give me a Sharpie, to all the of us fellow employees that were with her. I says, I don't have a damn Sharpie. I got a beer. That's all I got. She goes, these guys got to sign something. But I don't have anything for them to sign. And I don't have a Sharpie. She was two beers in anyway. So they had a Sharpie. And the guy that died in the helicopter crash Troy. signed her bra. Oh, my God. That's the only thing that she could think that this is what he could sign. She raises up her shirt. He signs the bra, puts her shirt down, and off they go. And we still have that picture today. Well, back oh in the early day, back in the early nineties when I started, it was very common to have women have their breast signed. Yeah, I was so gonna say there was we'll no bra step, issue we'll at go all. One step further, they didn't need the bra. They had their breast signed, and I was there to witness the <laughs> yeah. travesty on hey, a can, nightly basis. Can you tell me about somebody that I think you? took care of a while it's the group that i have seen the most of any concerts and the last time was in a highlight stadium in tampa florida hall and oats oh you have a hall and yeah, Oates story I, uh, yeah i sadly have a hall and oats story um rockford oh, coronado uh-oh sunday night great show band was kind of in a lull at that time so what i paid them they're made literally today. The band makes ten times what I paid them. Oh wow! That night oh. in either the late '90s or early 2000s. Okay. That picture was probably signed at that show. As a matter oh of fact. wow! Okay. Anyways, the show went great up until the end of the show when it didn't go great, <laughs> and we had a uh, individual in the audience who had had too many to drink. That person refused to sit down and was annoying all the customers around her oh. and just was waving. So I gave it away her uh, that she was a female <laughs> and people were complaining left and right because Polonos have a lot of ballads, too. Yes. Yeah, they many do. Yes, upbeat yes. songs they do. They have ballads. Yeah. Yeah. So the audience. So they kept complaining. So security went up and told her, hey, ma'am, you, you, you should sit down. And she was like, I don't have to sit down, which, she, by the way, she is actually correct. correct. Yeah. Yeah. And she was drunk. Long story short, she didn't sit down. And next thing you know, I, I, and I had nothing to do with it. She got out of control. Security asked her to do something. And they literally slapped the cuffs on her right <gasps> on the stage in front of Daryl. Oh, dear. He didn't like that? That doesn't sit really well with performers. No. So immediately after the show, I remember Rick Nielsen was at the show, too, because he was upstairs hanging out. I was asked to come up and see Mr. Daryl Hall. And as soon as I got off the elevator, he ripped me, oh, destroyed me. And he towered above me. He's a much taller guy than I am. And uh, just read me the riot act. And I just kind of took it. As promoters, we're, we're forced to deal with situations. And at times with personalities that we're dealing with and performers, we just take it. 
we know yeah. that they're going to be leaving the room and it's better to bite your lip. Mm-hmm. That's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes you do that with the crew members you're dealing with. A lot of assholes we work with over the years. And it's better to just nod your head and curse them behind the closed door yeah. than mm-hmm. it is to do it in person. Aren't they just looking for somebody to vent? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. In this case, so the performer thought it was wrong and if she was mistreated and he wanted her backstage immediately. So we arranged to hmm. bring her and her family backstage and he took pictures with her and he kissed up with her or without the cuffs sorry and uh <laughs> yeah as soon as they left the building so it was not a great ending for the show wow and uh i was not happy because the woman gave me a certain look as she was leaving like she wagged her head yeah that's right and i'm like don't worry if you're at one of my shows in the future, I'll get even with you. That's right. So you be in the very back yeah, that's row. My, that, that's yeah, that's my story with with her. Wow. Did you weird Al? Weird Al. There, did, there's a weird Al. Did you bring Ooh. Weird Al to the Coronado? I did. Okay, I, did. I was there back in the day. I played the arena with him. Did you twice. really? Twice. I, I think we did like 3,500 people each time, and then I brought him to the Coronado. I did not do the last Coronado show. That's because of a. Uh, a flawed relationship situation. I did more Weird Al dates than any other promoter Crazy. in the country wow. because I got him. I totally, like him and I got along and I totally understood what his live act was about. And mark my words, and I'm going on record. Okay. Al, if you're listening right now, Al is one of the most gifted live entertainers yes. I have ever ever worked with and people are going are you serious no i I can attest to that because my son and one of his best buddies this was in middle school a long time ago and they're going we really want to go to this show we really and i go oh okay well we need you to take us because they're in middle school right and i'm going oh god oh my god i i don't know well i liked weird al with his parodies and stuff like that but i don't know that i want to go to a live concert and I go, yeah, well, you know, you suck it up for your kids and you go. It was two songs in and I'm going, holy crap, this is the one of the best shows I have ever seen of anybody. He's a genius. He is so yes. talented. Yes, I uh, 100% agree with it you. It was unbelievably fun. And you could see the other adults, same thing as me. I mean, you almost see it as a wave going, I don't want to be here. And then all of a sudden, two songs in, it's like, oh God, look at this. And they were all into it. It was hilarious to watch. L is a legend continuing to tour. I think he's only going to do some limited dates this year. He's going to do a tour next year that we're already biting on. And I I made a bad mistake oh, half dozen years ago probably. And I just didn't buy into it. And now I'm paying for it. So now I'm playing catch up, trying to get back into his mm-hmm. business again. But I probably did 50 dates with L. I remember going out with L one night. Um, you know, people ask me stories about him. I mean, Al is a quiet guy on stage, believe it or not. Really? Different, different than the guy you see on stage. He's like, well, hi, Don. You know, he's kind of like, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not the guy that lights it up on stage. After a show, I think it was in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is a college town as well. And this is back in the poodle hair days, the glasses. <laughs> yeah, of course. And again, his look, <laughs> especially then. Because of his MTV oh, yeah. tie-ins, mm. I mean, L was everywhere yes, in yes, UHF, yes. the movie. Yeah, L was one of the most recognizable celebrities, oh, easy at that time that I worked with. Yeah, and so afterwards, I'm like, hey, 
we're going to go out. You want to go out to a bar with me, grab a drink? He's like, yeah, it sounds good. Let's go. We walk into this bar down the street, big college bar. It was like on a Friday night. And um, <laughs> we walked in. The, the music was blaring. The place was packed with college kids. I swear to God, it was like a, a movie scene or a TV scene. Arr, the music stopped. And <laughs> all the eyes were on us. That's right. And it was like a pause of like 10 seconds. And then... Then the music started back up and then we made our, we migrated over to a corner with the help of security. But wow. we realized within five minutes There's that no this is just stayed. a clusterfuck yeah. and we had to get out. I had security walk us out. We walked back to the building that night because there was no way we could go out. I realized there were certain celebrities that even if we wanted to go out, like you I'd couldn't. have to pick my places. Yeah. And it also was a learning curve, like depending upon who the personality or performer was that I'm, I'm working with. If they want to go out with me for dinner or afterwards, I realize their position and their level of fame, mm -hmm. and I try to put us in the right spot. Do you feel like yeah. a saloon in a Western where that one nasty guy that nobody likes, he opens it up and everything goes quiet, only they like <laughs> this guy? <laughs> right. Everything right. goes quiet. In that, in that situation, exactly the wow. case. Wow. But, you know, we'll go out. I mean, performers that want to go out, and I appreciate the fact they know that they're going to get hassled for a little bit. Yeah. Um, this past fall, I spent a good bulk of my entire fall out on the road with Charlie Barons, who is immensely popular. Fabulous um, guy. He's funny. He's, he's one of the nicest guys of all time. You know, Very He's funny. a friend of mine now. But we made it a point. We Almost every show, with ex rare exception, I think I did 30 shows of them in the fall, um, we went out every night and he knew what he was going to deal with, but you know, he'd be like, you're going to pick a place or what do you, what do you have? What are you in the mood for? But everywhere that we went, he was immediately recognizable. And depending upon where we were at, you know, even in Bemidji, Minnesota, Gosh, <laughs> Bemidji, we were staying at a, a hotel and we, we went to the bar <laughs> that adjoined our, our complex, which was the arena that we played in the hotel in this bar we snuck in through a back door. As soon as we walked in, though, there was a line. There was a line. And it went like 50 people deep. Oh, and, my. And I'm like, do you want me to just cut it off? And he was like, no, no. Let me go take pictures with everybody. Let me sign autographs. And let me chat for a couple minutes, and I'll be back. And the cool thing about it is with hmm. certain celebrities, they, they present this vibe and this they send this aura out that they're very approachable. Get the business out of the way, which is the photograph or the autograph. Let them tell a quick story. And move on, take it. And once they're done, that was our only goal in most cases. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we had some yeah. fabulous nights out on the road, including with fans who got the business out of the way early, migrated back over, joined us in a game of darts, a oh, game of pool. That's sweet. Or we just had great conversation. Like, hey, you want to go out with us afterwards? I remember we were in Dub Dubuque, Iowa. <laughs> it was a Sunday night show this fall. And we went out afterwards. And, and Dubuque's a lot of fun, by the way. A yeah. lot of bars. And uh, they're open late. And um, a couple fans joined us. We went to this great bar down the street. And then we decided we'd go out. Well, we picked up a couple cool fans that we met at the bar. They were like, hey, this is a cool bar. And Charlie's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we ended up at this bar with all kinds of um, mounted dead animals on the oh, wall. Oh, my. <laughs> Taxidermy like, galore. Closing time was like, 12 30 or one o'clock in the morning and the bar owner was like don't worry we'll keep it open and it was a bunch of fans charlie me the opener 
and we stayed till like two thirty in the morning. Holy smokes! And, but we had fun. Yeah. You know, we had we had, we had a blast. I, I didn't have fun the next day. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. But yeah. it was just cool that we could go out and hang out with fans. I certainly get why certain artists. Oh sure, go out. you bet. They cannot go out because they cannot get by, and the bigger they are. You know, uh, the harder, the smaller, it is. the fishbowl is what it is. Yeah, yeah. and they're yeah. going to be asked to sign bras yep. and stuff like that. And it's know. not fun for them. They no. want to go no. out. No. <laughs> they want to drink beer. They want to laugh. They want to tell stories. Unwind. And mm-hmm. Yeah, with a couple mm-hmm. of people from their crew, and yeah. that doesn't happen all the time. Hey, did you ever have uh, air supply as a client? Yes. Did you bring them to the Metro Center back in the day? I did not. That was back in the really big days. Yes, because I've got a rumored story that maybe you could either say, yes, it's true or not, it's not, or it's no, it's not. When they first were at the Metro Center, this is what I hear, one of the air supply members spotted this behind-the-scenes person, and she caught his eye. And the manager goes, uh, uh, no, 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 she's too young. No, no, stay away. You can't do that. So he went over to her in the witness of the manager and said, I will be back in four years when you're of age. <laughs> and, oh. and he did. And they are married to today. Really? Okay. I yes. have never heard that story. Yeah. And if I ever work with Russell or his partner again, I will have to yeah. ask that story. You will. But Pop it's quiz. not shocking. I mean, guys, you know, um, famous people meet their uh, wives at shows quite often. Yeah. Um, their girlfriends, certainly, as we all know. Because that's a tight circle. Yeah, it's a tight circle. And obviously, they're drawn to a person. That other person is drawn to a person. But then it's breaking down, you know, to in order for that relationship to work, they have to forget about that. I came to see you in concert because I'm in love with you. Yeah. And the performer's version, wow, you look hot. And then they have to immediately identify mutual things that they they enjoy outside of the fact that how they were attracted to one another. And that's how those relationships work. Yeah. But a lot of the performers I work with, their wives, they meet them at shows. Yeah. There uh, is another one that I flipped through here that instantly, I met them in Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, instantly I said, oh, my God, these people have more eye makeup on than <laughs> any other woman I know. Do you know who it would be? I don't know. A lot of a lot of bands that I work with have Kiss. lots of makeup on. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Yeah, yeah. yeah Duran yeah, Duran. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Duran Duran wears. Uh, they are the Pretty Boys, and the Pretty Boys wore makeup, and I'm sure to Boy, this they were, day they were some oh, way back when. Oh yeah, love yeah. them. Princess what, Diana's favorite group. Was it really? Mm-hmm. No kidding. What can you tell me about Loretta Lynn? Oh, wonderful blessed you know I, I i come up with all these words you know obviously she just left us recently mm-hmm. and uh what a wonderful lady and what a classy lady you're looking at this picture and she's in this beautiful white evening mm-hmm. gown with this backdrop that's what she used to wear on stage for every single show wow she had a wonderful beautiful evening gown on she felt that the performance space was a classy space and um i didn't do a lot of shows with her but i remember after you know Meeting her the first, uh, actually meeting her the first time, and I don't remember what city it was in, but she had me sit down and she goes, you know, come on over, handsome, and <laughs> sit next to me. And, you know, and we just talked Aww. and she was so thankful. And then at every future show, she would see me and she was like, come on over. And same deal, we would sit next to each other and talk about her kids who were in the show. 
and her tour and she was just such a nice how nice. such a nice lady now were you married then did you have kids then were you able to converse about your kids and her kids no my kids were young yeah. i mean they were still like either you know not even double digits probably okay. or maybe you know early teenagers her kids were in their 30s or 40s gotcha. they were a part of the actual show so we didn't talk about that, but, you know, my recollection of her, she's just a wonderful, wonderful lady. You know, I'll tell you, you have recently joined the board of directors for the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum down in Joliet. And it's two blocks from the Rialto where, obviously, you've put a lot of acts into that theater. I have a little crystal ball. I have a Don Cronenberg <laughs> crystal ball that I really think you're going to bring a lot to that position not, oh boy. not only contact-wise, but I think that you have the availability, just by me knowing you, that you can connect dots. And you know a guy for some conversation that's going on, and that can help that facility as it's close to opening up. You know, Tim, that's the plan. Well, good. That's actually the plan. Good. So and my that, crystal ball works. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And that was the thought. And, you know, I had put it off. We had talked about, you know, coming on board. And last year just was too crazy for me to deal with anything. Um, they should have hit me up during COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> when I true. Had nothing to yeah, do. To do your and I was really looking for uh, something to do at that yeah. time. That's when they so got that, us, by yeah, the way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so where we're at right now is, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm trying to help them with a couple of upcoming events. Um, I hope I'm going to be helpful to them. Oh, no, there is and, no and hope, I, Don. You will be, especially yeah, if you're yeah, looking I'm, at all you know of this what? paraphernalia. And, and here, here's the scoop. At the end of the day, I'm going to give it everything that I've got. And mm -hmm. if I can't help, I'm going to tell you, I yeah. can't help mm -hmm. you. And maybe at that time, then I just step down from my position on the board, but I'm going into it with the thought that I'm with a group of unbelievable people, unbelievable talents that I've quickly gotten to meet. Um, I know I have a board meeting tomorrow night that I'm going to try to make. And it's a crazy passion because this thing is so stinking cool. These people are so excited about it. We know Lisa Fielding, who we worked at WROK with. Of course, with. I know Lisa as well. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she's been on the board. She takes care of the presenters for the induction ceremonies and so many other things. And she has got it intravenously in her. And that's what makes the difference. And she's been very, very helpful. I hope I can be as helpful to the museum as Lisa has been and other board members have been. We bring individual talents to the table. Mm -hmm. And I'm reaching out to some personal connections right now on the artist side to try to get them to be a part of an event mm -hmm. we're planning for this summer. Um, we'll see if I'm successful because a lot of what I do for my business is paying people. Mm -hmm. um, my relationship is built around exchanging monies with artists. And when it comes to raising money and doing things for a favor, it's a whole different area. It's not really an area... You but know. Don, it's a passion, and I think people can feel that passion for you they too. They can. They understand, and and I don't think you're going to have as hard a time. My crystal I ball, Liz's crystal ball. <laughs> I do not think you'll have as hard a time as you are imagining. Hey, if anything, I'm going to be a great. You're a wonderful PR, asset. I'm going to be a great PR person for the uh, museum. I believe in it. A lot of the acts that I've worked with over the years are either already in it mm -hmm. or will be in mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. at some mm -hmm. point. So I'd like to think that somewhere along the way, again, I can connect the dots um, with managers you and artists be. themselves. And yeah. um, if anything, you know, my other job is going to be to try to get m memorabilia 
which for we've the got museum. a lot here yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I don't necessarily. Although, although this is the Don K <laughs> Mem- Museum of it Memorabilia. It is, and I, yeah, I don't really want to give up mine. You know, I might loan. You know, if, if they wanted something uh, like on loan, yeah. That. Well, yeah, and yeah, I'll tell you, yeah. Rick Nielsen does that. You know, he's yeah. got what two thousand guitars. That's why I brought it yeah. up. And I yeah. I ran into him one time, and he said that the. Uh, uh, maybe 10 or 12 guitars was on loan at the Indianapolis Children's Museum. Mm-hmm. We happened to be going down there in the next month or so on our way to Mammoth Caves in Louisville. You know, God, you know, let's swing by here. The kids were young, whatever, you know. And sure enough, there it was. It wasn't two weeks later. I ran into Rick and his wife on the patio of Five Guys Burgers. And I go, hey, Rick, remember that guitar? Yeah, yeah. I said, it looks wonderful. He goes, did you take pictures? Uh, I said, yeah, I did. Oh, you he did. goes, when I loan these guitars, nobody ever sends me pictures on how they display them. Oh, wow. I said, I do have them. So wouldn't you think that he would know how they're going to, but they, so he you has never stuff. Know. You never know. He has stuff on loan everywhere. He does. He does. He does. And, you know, and that's fantastic. And I'm so glad that Rick is the pack rat that he is. Yes. And, you know, Don thank God. Don K is yeah. following yeah, suit, Yeah, I'm aspiring folks, to be Rick in you. the future. He you know, is doing he great. He saves matchbook covers, napkins, <laughs> yeah. you he name does. it. Yeah. And, and, and I so appreciate that of him. But, you know, that's where I, you know, I hope I'm going to help them procure some memorabilia for the museum. You know, I have some artists coming into town. I do a lot of shows at the Rialto down the street. Trying to see if I can get Buddy Guy to stop by there this weekend, Beautiful. if time permits. Nice. Got Tommy James coming in a couple of weeks. I'm going to ask Tommy yes. to take a ride down there with me. Very And nice. just for them to check it out, maybe grab a picture, help us publicize. Really, there's a motive for my madness, and that's to get the uh, museum some PR mm-hmm. and maybe draw some more attention to it. And maybe Tommy James gives a, you know, donates a piece of memorabilia. But, to it you know, well. I'll tell you what you're also doing, like when you brought Tony Bennett out into the lobby at the Rialto, you, without maybe even purposely doing it, I really believe that you are providing an additional story for those artists. I am. I am. Because because they may not have any clue that this museum is even thought of, much less almost done. Mm -hmm. And they're going, oh, that's right. Especially if they're from Illinois. Oh, I really want to be a part of this. You never know. That's my goal. That's my goal is to connect these dots and to get people to come on down Mm -hmm. or to at least look at pictures online and at minimum provide a piece of their memorabilia, whether it's sheet music, a guitar, a keyboard, you know, mic stand, you know, give me something cool that you don't mind parting with, but that will be a part of history mm-hmm. because when the museum opens, we're going to have thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. stopping by on an annual basis to this wonderful growing project. And and that's where it's at. It's going to open with just the ground floor yes. to start with, and then it's uh, the plan is to open up the floor up above. I think the challenge for you convincing those people that either you've worked with you know, just recently or forever is – Convincing them that this thing, whatever this thing is, they go, ah, nobody's going to want to see that. And you go, no, they will, because it's different. Correct. That's going to be the sales that you're going to have to do to those people. It's like the Baseball Hall of Fame. What are you talking about? Major League the, Baseball? The Baseball Cooperstown, Hall of Fame. Cooperstown, New York. No, okay. Well, I thought there was a different one. Somewhere, in all, you know how, <laughs> how I am with sports. But it's like that. Somebody's going to want to go rock and roll. Oh, my gosh. Let me go oh, see yeah. it in Illinois. Where is it? Oh, yeah. So this is wonderful. And they will. Yeah. They yes. will. You know, based on what I've seen so far in the museum, the museum is going to continue to grow. And the exhibits mm-hmm. are going to grow as well. And I think there's going to be some really cool stuff that's going to interest everybody 
from an 18 year old to a 80 year old. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think the connection was cool. I I didn't believe in it at first when I heard about it several years ago. I went, you're going to get a rock and roll hall of fame. It's in, uh, you know, Cleveland and could be stuff, but yeah. stuff in a band. Garage. Yeah. And that's kind of what I thought of <laughs> is that I'm like, OK, what are they going to be able to round up? But what they've done is remarkable. And uh, I'm really excited to be a part of this, especially as I near the end of this career. It's coming. I don't know if it's three years, five years, maybe 10. But at some point it's going to be over. You know, it might not be the final chapter. You know, I think there's one more thing that I want to do in my life. And I don't know what that is yet. Maybe it's picking up a guitar and learning (laughs) how to play play an instrument. And maybe that's my (sighs) final chapter in this wonderful career. Do you think maybe you could get a couple of tips from Willie Nelson? Maybe (laughs) possibly. I better hurry. You better better hurry. That's right. Time's running out on all these legends that I'm working with. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe that opportunity will present itself. Don, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everything here. Glad I could open up my life to you guys. You betcha. We will be taking pictures and putting it on our yeah, website which is so. life's three by fives.com yes it's l-i-f-e-s three x five s.com right look at all the photos there and again this is don kronberg from nightlight promotions uh we're in palatine illinois don thank you thank you guys what, what a what a fun day we had today we did i can't believe we just went three hours i know right we <laughs> could know. go on and on and on but this is life's three by fives and i'm liz wilder and i'm tim larson till next time take care Thank you for joining Liz Wilder and Tim Larson. If you'd like to offer a conversation topic suggestion or contribute to the tip jar in support of this podcast, visit lifes3x5s.com. In the meantime, watch our Facebook page for more reasons to join us at another remote location for more unscripted stories on Life's 3x5s.